Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. What's up and welcome to episode two of the Grey Wolf Footy Podcast. It is John or Fitzy here, joined by my expert panel. I've got Ned Tepper to my left. How are you, man? I'm very well. I would not call myself the expert, but honoured to be here amongst such, I would call you guys expert, <laughs> Madman, Matt Grace and John Fitzgerald, but far away. Yeah, no, well, boys, how, how's everyone with this uh, pandemic going on at oh, the moment? Doing really well, man. And that was the lovely voice, of course, of Matthew Madman Grace, who's our uh, our ring-in footy expert. Not only is he good-looking, Ned, he's also an expert <laughs> at football. And what a week it has been. And we have had a few official announcements from the AFL about the season. Gillan McLaughlin came out and said that it's going to be a 17-game season this year with still a lot up in the air. So it's sort of scary times ahead, but at least we're getting some movement and hopefully round one is going ahead as planned. Yeah, fingers fingers crossed. We uh, we just want some footy. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. I think every other sport, you know, has been cancelled and postponed. And, you know, our local cricket finals on the weekend are gone. So I'm going to be sitting on the couch doing nothing if there's no footy. <laughs> footy! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been waiting to say that. But the thing here is, boys, and we should mention that we are recording this Tuesday night because by the time this one drops, who would know what would happen? But fingers crossed yep. it does go ahead. Because like you mentioned, man, it seems to be the only thing that hasn't been cancelled at the minute. Yeah, it's a, it's a scary thought that we may be facing no football, but it sounds like the players are keen to play as much football as they want. And I think that's what it comes down to. You know, the AFL players and the Players Association, more or less, you know, like that's like their union, I guess. So fingers crossed everything starts as normal. But a 17-game season, at least we're going to have some footy and, you know, it kicks off very soon. And, of course, this is part two of our team preview. We've got a few things to talk about tonight. But if you haven't checked out part one, it is up on the website. It's up on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all your favorite services. And you get to listen to our beautiful voices for a good one hour of uh, for the first half of our team preview, Gracie. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good listen. I listened to it about seven times, I reckon. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah listen I sounded myself. very handsome. You know, just <laughs> listening to myself as I like doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's good. Everyone should get around it. So. Absolutely. And we've got kind of a cool note to start the show off on. And we had a few people ask us about creating a Grey Wolf Supercoach Classic League, which has already filled up. And potentially by the time this comes out, it might already be full. But we've got 17 teams out of 18 that have already signed up. Gracie, we were going to run through a couple of the teams of the names we didn't recognize to give a quick shout out to any of those people out there in fantasy land. Yeah, so we've got eight people that we don't actually know, which is awesome. It just shows that people are following this Grey Wolf thing that's happening, Ned. So Movement, um, buddy. Movement. Yeah, that's it. So we've got, we had a few. We've got Bobby's Mob. So shout out to Dylan there. One I, I just immediately looked at was Bonus. <laughs> shout out to Anthony. Good man. It's um, so actually good. Gracie's other account. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to being a bit out there with your team name. We've got Toothless Tigers, Ron, Sirotribles FC, Adam, Black on White, Arthur, Bob's Bandits, Andy. We got the Rat Pack, Ben, and Bruce's Minions, Bruce. Wow, it's that's really exciting. So we, we really thank everyone for getting behind the Grey Wolf movement is what we're calling it so far. Yep. And if you are a coach of one of those teams, make sure you reach out so we know who you are because we will be putting together a little prize pack, which will probably include a T-shirt and a meet and greet with the madman Matt Grace himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, well, we've got to sort of secure that one first. <laughs> it's whether or not he will do it. Will you be up for that, buddy? Yeah, at, at this stage, I want to do some paperwork. Just to, 
lock it in, but I'm <laughs> sure we can come to an agreement. And of course, the meet and greet will be at your house because you don't yep. go anywhere for anybody. Absolutely. So, no, but very exciting not with <laughs> You can sort of see him yeah. from the glass window. <laughs> the boy in the bubble. Yeah. But like I said, thanks very much to everyone who's got behind it. We've only got one spot to fill. So if it hasn't filled for some reason by the time this comes out, check the post that we put up earlier in the week with the code. We may create a second league if there's enough interest, but we are running out of time before round one. So without further ado, we better continue with our player and team breakdowns and previews for the season. Yeah, most definitely. But right quick, I just want to say this, Matt Grace, there is someone off to an early lead when it comes to sort of power points there in the fantasy league for the best name goes to Madman's Madman. <laughs> I don't know who it is, oh, I don't but know. that guy, man, I'm watching him or her. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Johnny, to break you up there. But yeah, let's let the people know about Hawthorne, the Hawks, the old worst colors in the AFL. Yeah. Can I say that? I just... Brown and yellow, come on. You can say what you like on our podcast, and I guess with people hoarding toilet paper, they're very appropriate colours. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now but, who's uh, laughing? <laughs> but no, Hawthorne, of course, just missed out on the finals last season, finishing ninth with a record of 500, 11 and 11. Gracie, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but returning stars, Tom Mitchell makes a massive dif- difference to that team. A few guys that had injuries last year that hopefully will get a full 22 games in this year. Do you see them finishing any higher? I've probably got them finishing around the same ninth to 10th around that mark, but what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, well, Tom Tom Mitchell's a massive in. We all know that. You know, when, on the eve of the season last year, he went down with that long-term injury. So having him back is just huge. It'll free up guys like your wing guards that run through there, your Amiras, Scully, and that sort of, those sort of guys as well. The big um, one we'll talk about soon is obviously positional change for, for McAvoy. So I think similar... Around the ninth, yep, could sneak into finals. It is Alistair Clarkson, who is just one of the genius coaches of the AFL. So, even though he's at the wrong team, but yeah, <laughs> they did finish strong too, didn't they? If I remember yes. correctly, they yes. did finish strong. Yeah, they did, and just had some form at the right time, but couldn't quite make the cut. But mm. we will go through some premium options as we are discussing all these super coach picks. The first one off the bat, which Gracie has already spoken about. Tom Mitchell. I mean, this might be the make or break pick of the year. And we'll talk about some team structures towards the end of the podcast and who to fit in with potentially these 17 rounds happening. But Gracie, is Tom Mitchell finding a spot in your side currently? Uh, No, not at the moment, which is probably going to surprise a few people because he's probably your your number one picked in any other year. But I think I just want to see how he goes. His marsh form was pretty good. They didn't give him, you know, full game time. Obviously, you don't want to edge him, you know, in too quickly. So, but yeah, no for me at this stage. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I've had him in and out for most of the preseason, but I've sort of gone with guys that I feel like will perform from the start of the season. And we know that Tom Mitchell's potential, of course, is that 120 to 130 range, which is massive for Supercoach. But... The concern is that he might come out the first month average 105. He might have a break because, you know, coming back to, to full health. So for me, he's a hard pass, but I'd be keeping an eye on his ownership percentage. I reckon if he drops below sort of 20 to 15%, I'm not sure where he is right now. He might be a sneaky point of difference because I believe that their draw at the start of the season is fairly handy, the Hawks. So keep an eye on Tom Mitchell, but for both of us for now, he's a pass. But one guy that I'm really liking the look of is James Sicily. And as you mentioned, the position change for Ben McAvoy to play key defensive post. They've also added Sam Frost from the Demons into that defensive back line. I see Sicily as a guy that can average around that 100 mark and you know, fit in that sort of bracket of the 95 to 100 guys. 
hopefully be a little bit more consistent just with his intercept marks, taking the kick-ins. So he's in my team currently at D2. I don't know how you feel about him, but he has been a frustrating pick in the past. He has, and he, you know, he obviously gets suspended once or twice a year. So that's another thing that can, you know, I guess weigh against picking him. But in 20% of teams, he's only 509K, can pump out massive scores. So... He's in a logjam, him, Luke Ryan, you know, you yeah, Caleb Daniels, about. as we've spoken in the previous episode. So I'd love to have him in because I think he's going to go massive with his intercept markings. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one. Just real quickly, I know uh, James Davis is a massive fan of James Sicily. So there you go. Uh, no doubt he'll be all over it. Wow, there you go. We've got the expert pick yeah. from James Davidson who couldn't nice. make it into the studio. But we'll go through a few smokies slash mid-prices slash breakout, which is that second category we talk about. The first cab off the rank race is Jonathan Segler, who's a very popular pick at this point. Of course, he's got the ruck forward dual position qualification. He's around 400k. A lot of people are excited about him because he'll finally get a chance to be the number one ruck of the team. I mean, he's in his eighth season now. Do you see him as a potential breakout this season? Are you considering him at all? Not considering, but I think he can. You know, he's in 3% of teams. So he's a point of difference. Probably yep. won't be after this show. But, yeah, just he goes. He kicks a lot of goals. I think it's a big one. Yep. So he averages that one to two. He rests forward. McAvoy goes into the ruck. Things like that. They've got John O'Patton as well, which will yep. probably ease, ease him going forward up a, a little bit. So not for me, but with that ruck forward, you can obviously link him with, you know, if you've got your bench rookie is a, as a forward ruck as well yep. you can swap in and out as well if you need to yeah. for injuries so. absolutely and I think that's a very very valid point to make if you're not going with the Gorn and Grundy combination in ruck he's not a bad option if you were to pick a ruck forward as your R3 and you might be covering for a Sam Naismith or a Sam Jacobs potentially and these are the things we may need to consider uh, with a shorter year or shorter in terms of rounds that maybe some of these big guys are going to get a rest so he'd be one to consider I personally am not all that excited about him I just think it's very rare for a player to have a breakout I mean Shannon Hearn did it last year in his 10th season, but it's very rare for a player like that to come out of nowhere and have a really good season. So I'd imagine him averaging maybe between 80 to 85, which might be good enough for an F7 R3 swing. So if you're considering him, definitely you know take it all in, but maybe work out a better structure and, and see where he fits in because you wouldn't want him at your F2, yep, for example. Definitely. So I'll have a quick look here at some of the Hawthorne midfielders, Gracie. And one of these guys in particular, Chad Wingard, has the forward eligibility again this year with Diego Mira and James Warple, who are all guys that are, you know, touted big stars, future stars of the competition. Are any of these guys taking your fancy at all? Probably not at the moment. Wingard's an interesting one because when he was at Port, he had a couple of really good seasons playing forward mid. Just depends how much midfield time he'll yep. get with Mitchell coming back. O'Meara, full preseason. Warple coming through. You know, they've got other guys that are going through that midfield as yep. well. So be interesting to see, but like neither of them are on my radar at the moment. Warple was yep. pretty popular last year. So depending on whether he can keep it up again will be interesting. So. It will be. And it's all positional at Hawthorne because now, as uh, Gracie's just said, they've got a full side. Most have done a full preseason. So it's going to be very interesting with how they fit in. Chad Wingard was in one of my earlier drafts because I think uh, in the first Marsh game, he had a couple of midfield minutes and he looked, he looked damn good, let's be honest. And he always does. It's just a matter of how much he plays in there. So for me, other than Sicily personally, it's probably a wait and see on some of these Hawthorne players. Mitchell's a pass at this stage, unless his ownership really drops, which it could. But otherwise, the rookie category, Grace, is looking very thin this year. We did have Will Golds mentioned in there, although he is injured now. And Damon Greaves sort of came and went as quick as anything. So he played Marsh 1, yep. looked okay, and then couldn't quite catch a gig for, for Marsh 2. So yep. no rookies on the horizon for 
Hawthorne, Eddie, but uh, look out for them to maybe, you know, they might try and push into the eight. As Gracie said, they've got a master coach, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, a bit of a wait and see case right there. This is what I'm very interested in, though, the Ds. Like you alluded to in the last episode of Grey Wolf Hoops, number one, you said they were meant to really have a big season 2019, but sort of dropped off the ball a little bit. Are they going to repeat the 2018 form or yeah. what's the go? What are you guys thinking? Grace, you take that one first. Yeah, look, know a few Melbourne supporters who were very, very disappointed, especially, you know, the year before they knocked the Cats out of the finals and, and obviously went over to Perth and would have been pretty disappointed with that. So oh, I can't see why they wouldn't jump back up into a, a yep. finals position. So... I think just coming back underdone from the finals with injuries, as you said in the last episode, like Clayton Oliver had both shoulders done. So he's, you know, one of their main midfielders. So that's, that's pretty tough. So, and he still had a pretty good season yeah. for a boy that had that done. So, yeah. but like you've got your, your typical premium options there. Fitz, you have Gorn and Oliver. Gorn's an interesting one. Do you want to broaden your thoughts on yeah, Gorn at the moment? Certainly. And I'm going to echo your thoughts on Melbourne. I think they will bounce back. I I can't see them making the top eight. I reckon they're going to be around there with Hawks, Hawks around that sort of ninth to tenth mark. I just think they're too far behind now. You know, you lose a lot of momentum, but full preseason in some of these guys, particularly their young midfielders, and there's no reason why they shouldn't bounce back. But Max Gorn's a very interesting one. As we know, he had the injury earlier in the preseason. He's since come back, played one Marsh game in the second Marsh game. It's a tough one, and we'll talk a bit more about rucks and structures later on in the show towards the end. But for me, Max Gorn at the moment's a pass. And the only reason I'm saying that is in this year where we've got potentially looking at a shorter season, we're looking at limited rookie options, and we actually had a good, a good question come in about that. I just can't see us spending $1.4 of our budget on two ruckmen, even though we know that they're the two best ruckmen in the competition. Gorn's coming in with a bit of an injury cloud. You know, he may start slow. They've also got Luke Jackson, who they drafted, who might get a couple of games early uh, with Braden Proust being injured. So for now, it's probably the make or break decision of the year is whether you start Gorn and Grundy or Grundy in a cheaper option. So for me right now in my current draft and more about price and, and saving money, he's not in my team, but I'm not sure if he's in yours. No, he was earlier today. But as I said, oh, I'm tinkering. <laughs> as I said, I did a bit of the, uh, the toilet, toilet tinkering. tinkering. But it just, you, you, I think your balance of your uh, your whole team looks better when you, you go that other second ruck option of like we spoke in the last episode of Sam Jacobs just frees up so much money to yep. have especially with some rookies like, you know, it allows you to add another premium defender or that fourth forward who's going to average that sort of 85 or higher. Yep. So yep. for me, he's out just purely because of the, the whole structure. It's yeah. so much better. And I think this year is very different to other years when we don't have so many rookie options. And exactly what you're saying, that means you can turn, say, a Jared Brander into a Devin Smith with that 200K. And you've also got a bit left over to bring in an A-grade midfielder, which I think is a very big key this year with potentially less rounds. So I'm sticking with you on that one, Grace. At this stage, he's not in my side, but he's obviously not a bad pick, of course. And one uh, guy I want to talk about is one of my favorite players is Clay. Clayton Oliver, who we weren't allowed to put on the poster because you didn't like him enough, and that's fair enough. Oh. <laughs> Clary Oliver went into last season fairly underdone, had a very up and down year, a couple of big scores, but this year I'm thinking he can bounce back. I'd be expecting him to average 115. He's not in my starting squad, but have you got any thoughts on him? Yeah, like he's in 11% of teams at the moment, under 600K, averaged 109 last year for a guy that had two bad shoulders and coming underdone, but like... He had some monster games. Like against Gold Coast, he had 175. You know, towards the end of the year, he went 140, 126, 111, a couple of 90s, and then another sort of yep. just above 100. So 
he's got that ceiling, but there's just a couple of low games in there that probably scare you off a little bit, but he's probably an upgrade target for me. You, you yeah. wanna, yep. probably don't want to start with him. You want to see if he is going to be one of those top midfielders. So I agree. And I think the one thing that turned me off him, because I had him in my team straight up, because he's, like I said, he's one of my favorite super coach players. It's the Matt DeBoer tag he gets in round two. And I'm not sure a lot of people have seen that, but I think DeBoer kept him to around 50 points in a game last year. He's going to go straight to him again. So I'd be expecting a slower start from Clayton Oliver. And I remember last year, round one, he scored about 70 points against Port Adelaide. And when you consider the other options around that point, around that price point, that really kicks you in the guts. So if he was to come out and have a good round one, I think they're playing West Coast in West Coast, which is a tough road trip. Potentially yep. Mark Hutchings yep. might take him. Then to back it up with a matchup against DeBoer, I think I'd be maybe waiting to see you know, yeah, if he's def- a down, uh, upgrade option. Definitely, as you said, yeah, scored 53 against GWS last year. So yep. it's that Matt, Matt DeBoer tag. And as we spoke earlier with that 17-game season, if it does go ahead, I think they were scheduled initially to play... GWS twice, so it would have been two Matt DeBoer tags. So with that 17-game season, I think that only limits him to one, which a lot of super coach players actually become a bit more relevant now with two Matt DeBoer tags throughout the year. Good point. But uh, probably a a miss at the moment for for us, I think. No, I agree. And uh, as we go into the mid-prices category, Gracie, probably the biggest question mark and the biggest potential breakout star we have is Christian Petraka, who has been flirting with the the premium status for a couple of years now. He's that sort of guy, Eddie, that he builds you up and then he just lets you down time and time Mm -hmm. again. You can imagine what that's like. So I'm very skeptical. He had an absolute monster marsh one, a little quieter marsh too, but the center bounce attendances were still there. His buddy, Jack Viney, had a really, really good game. So at this stage, as I mentioned in our uh, first podcast, I'm avoiding those 450K guys purely to try and fit Steven and Devin Smith in with lower price, potentially a similar output. But Petraka's that guy, you know, he's got the potential. Uh, it's I think it's his sixth year in the system because, of course, he missed his first year. So what are your thoughts on him? I, I can't split it. It's it's hard. And with, with this 17-game uh, season, I think you might have to take a look at, at having a Petraka, Stephen and Smith all together and maybe drop a Dusty and Whitfield back just purely because you're not going to get enough rookies up in price so and some of those premiums will drop too so yep, yep. if Petraka has two or three really monster games and rises 100k and say Whitfield has two not bad but like you know a couple of hundred point games he's going to drop and you just pretty much do a sideways trade yep. trade to them but just looking after his buy last year fits or even the, the game before the buy his average went from 74 up to 81 so the second half of the season improved quite a bit for, for Petraka yep. so and as we saw, he pulled out a couple of big marsh games. He did, yeah. Games, so. It's such a, t- a tough decision, but guys like that, if he was under 400K, you'd go, yeah, let's chuck him in and see how he goes. But that sort of price point, you're almost better off waiting and seeing, you know, paying an extra 50K, bring him in when he actually is performing and is playing in that same position. Because for guys like him, it really, and Darcy McPherson's the same, it depends on where he plays. So I'm looking at a, a hard hold off for now. Yeah. Uh, but I actually don't mind Jack Vine as an M5 if you're looking for someone a little bit cheaper potentially the 17 game season means we have to look at a cheaper option for M5 to squeeze in a few mid prices but Angus Brayshaw is probably in a very similar position I've seen his name come up a couple of times after that third place finish in the Brownlow uh, over 12 months ago now Hopefully he can bounce back, but there's a lot of question marks around Melbourne, so I'd be holding firm, I think, on guys other than Max Gorn at this stage. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And Viney was probably one of the, the disappointing factors to Melbourne's season last year as he was underdone. And, you know, he had games like, I think, that hip and shoulder from... It was one of the oh, Sydney got, Stack. Sydney yeah. Stack and just... He um, did his AC join, I think, from that. Yep. So yeah, it just shows that the whole side was underdone. And I actually hope Viney does have a really good year because he's yep. got a lot of talent and, yep. and that. So, But we'll just see. I think, yeah, Gorn's the, the one that you'll probably probably pick out of yep. those guys. 100%. So. And they did draft very well, Melbourne. They picked up Luke Jackson and Kasaya Pickett, who I believe is the nephew of Byron Pickett. I think yep. he's a relation there. They also had Trent Rivers come in and Harley Bernal, who unfortunately has done a calf for the 50th time. But yep. Yep. I think I'll be avoiding most Melbourne rookies. I don't believe any of these guys will be named around one. Trent Rivers potentially as a downgrade option during the season. But yep. Nettie, I guess the, the, the benefit or the, the bright side for Melbourne is it's only upwards from here from last year, so they can only improve. Yeah, that's right, man. So I guess what, we're going to switch off to the boys now, the oh, North Melbourne Roos. Here we go. Who are they? The, the what? The, uh, the, well, well, North Melbourne, I mean, everyone writes North Melbourne off, let's be honest. No one ever predicts North Melbourne to finish top eight, and not to say that I am, but... Yeah, there's a lot of potential there and a lot of young kids that are finally starting to get games. And we did see the way my boys played under Reese Shaw at the end of last year, which was fantastic. And one thing that really bothered me about Brad Scott was he wouldn't play the kids. So obviously you saw Scott Thompson retired last year and rather than Sam Durden having 50 games under his belt, he's got 10. So we have to go get Josh Walker. So I see Reese Shaw really shaking things up this year. Is there potential there to make the finals? I'm going to say maybe. Hey, look Possibly at Western Bulldogs of 2016, but there's not too many options that we'll cover for Supercoach with North Melbourne, but I'll, I'll let you have a chat about North Melbourne in general, Gracie. But to be fair, I'm probably predicting a very similar finish around that 12th yep. mark, which I would count as a pass. If we can win 10 games again, or it depends on how many we're playing for the season, but yep. if we can sort of be just under 500, I think I'd be happy. Yep. Yeah, the big man's excited, isn't he now? Oh, I'm really excited. No, I like it. I, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a bit good. of a soft spot for North Melbourne because yeah. they almost merge with my boys Fitzroy yeah, back true, in the day true. I don't know if yep. you remember that but I was going to say John just looking at this a lot of the other teams there's a lot of names there with Old North not as many but yeah, yeah jump into it yeah and I honestly think North I mean um, champion data rate and was it the second best midfield or, or in the in thereabouts the comp, yeah so, you know they've got a couple of young guys coming through but I mean Sean Higgins all class Obviously, you got the the bull in Ben Cunnington in there. And, yeah, um, <laughs> Cunners. <laughs> Cunners um, would be in my team. I'm just gonna say. Yeah, that. and and to be honest, I think if as we spoke about in the last episode with Geelong not getting a ruckman, if they had have got Goldstein, I think you would find that yeah, North would be a totally different look right yeah. now. You'd probably have someone like a I don't know a Madjack or someone rucking. So, but yeah, Goldie and, and Higgins obviously your top picks. But you've chucked in here Fitzy uh, Ben Cunnington. He's Ever reliable. I, oh, I think yeah. you had tabs on him last year. So poster boy of the show, as we'd say. <laughs> I would Jasper, say definitely. Just yeah, the only that's in my side. Uh, fits his man. So he is. Look, oh, at the at this stage, I'm probably there's a couple of rookies that are, are going to be in there. I think round one if they get picked. But as far as those top guys for me, I'm, I'm not sort of looking at them at the moment. Yeah, so. it's, North Melbourne's a very funny, uh, I guess, team in terms of super coach scoring because as a team they always score well, but very rarely do we have any guys that really bust out other than Goldstein in the last however many years. 
to be a, a worthwhile pick, I guess. So we did jot a couple of down there. I put Goldstein in only as a bit of a warning that he's not a great alternative, I don't feel, for a Gorn. If you're not going to pick Max Gorn, we're looking at the cheaper options, which we'll discuss in a little bit. I had to throw Ben Cunnington in there, obviously. Ben, our boy, Nettie, big oh, cunners. Yeah. I, it was in my team last year. started like a house on fire, and then the fire was put out pretty quickly. So <laughs> I predict him to bounce back. <laughs> yeah, of course, but he's just a contested beast. And probably for me, it was more good to see him get the the acknowledgement, the recognition that he deserved for being one of the best in and under midfielders in the comm. Jasper Pittard gets a shout out. He's going to be on our show one day, but you know, one of my favorite players <laughs> for North Melbourne. And a target in draft league, Gracie. I'm yes, calling him absolutely. to probably average around 80 to 85. He should be yep. fairly solid. Yep. But it's the rookies for North that we want to have a look at. And the first one's Curtis Taylor, who absolutely turned it on in March too, and just firmed his way into that round one side and for I think most people he's going to be sitting at F6 and that's where he is for me and I'm feeling very confident with that pick uh, we've lost a couple of young players so he should be able to force his way into the team early and stay in the team yeah absolutely I think when you look look at here 21 touches six marks two goals one couple of tackles from you know 57, 57% disposal efficiency put that up to 70 well over yep. 100 so the good thing is he played 86% game time. I yeah. think that's the big, big turning point, especially with the rumor of the AFL shortening the quarters to 20 minutes. So yep. we're going to be wanting guys that are going to be playing majority of the game yep. on there. So he's definitely a um, points per minute guy that you, you'd be looking at and and starting. So the next one on the list, Fitzy Tristan Zeri, is it? Cherry, I Jerry? believe is how you Jerry? pronounce it. Yeah. Now can you he's, tell us a bit more about this guy? I certainly can. He's popped up after a couple of solid Marsh outings and the rumours with, well, not rumours, but with Ben Brown under an injury cloud for round one, his name has all of a sudden popped up. Now, this is where it gets very tricky because obviously in years gone past, we've had that 102K ruck forward who we've just thrown in for loophole. Cherry throws a very interesting curveball at us because he's a little bit more expensive at 123K. He's a ruck forward and North Melbourne also play 11 Sunday games, I believe. So yep. if we're talking captain loophole, I think he's he has to be worth a look whether he gets named around one or not. And if we're talking potential debutants out of all of those cheap ruckmen, he's probably up there in terms of getting a, getting a gig early. So... I don't think I've got him in my team at this point. I've opted for the young fella from Gold Coast, Conroy, as my 102 yep. loophole player yep. because we have a lot of Thursday games to start the season off too and Friday games, of course. So we're going to have plenty of options. Yep. But I really like him. If you can find that 20K to start a bit more of an expensive player on your ruck bench, I think he has to be a lock for that position. So I'll be looking at him, but I'm, I'm not sure. What, what are you thinking? He's in my ruck three at the moment, so definitely... Um, I did have is it Combin yeah, from North? I had, yeah, yeah, I had him in. Yep. He was the obviously the cheaper option, but I think at this stage I probably want money over having that that loophole there. So yep. hopefully, you know, there might be a couple, another couple of rookies that we might chuck on that might miss the first few games that you could use as a as a loophole, and there probably will be. Yep. So at this stage, I've got Cherry in as you as you'd say. So certainly, um, the next guy we've got on the the list, Fitzy. We've actually written Josh Mahoney. It's actually Jack Mahoney. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Josh so, Marnie used to play for Port Adelaide, he did. didn't he? So that's where we got, it, we got it mixed up. So, But he's another interesting fella. And we watched the uh, Sydney game a bit of it last week. And he looked pretty lively up forward. He did. And he's, of course, got the mid-forward DPP, which can be very handy when we've got Buderick and these sorts of guys floating around. For me, it's just a matter of whether whether he gets picked round one. Uh, and like I said earlier, Reshaw is going to play the kids and he's going to reward them if they play yep. well. He's going to keep playing them. Curtis Taylor is an example of that. 
I just don't see where he fits in. It's probably between him and Aiden Bonner, who's completely yep. fallen off the radar, and we would not recommend picking him. But it's probably out of those two, and even like a guy like Aaron Hall for that yep. sort of maybe third or fourth bench spot. So if he gets named round one, I'd be inclined to throw him in there and just sort of see what happens. But yep. I did uh, I did get a bit of a kick out of watching the number 35 run around. He looked exactly like Troy Makepeace. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw him out there. So <laughs> nice. a few good options from, from North Melbourne, Eddie. But like we said before, generally not premium options, but definitely some rookies coming through this year. Oh, nice, man. Nice. Well, fingers crossed they do good for you there, Johnny. And we'll switch things up to our NBL winner, yeah. Cam Bruce. Big shout out to him. He won the thing. I'm not sure how good he is on the AFL side of things, but power to win. He's back in it. Port Adelaide this year. How the power going to go, lads? Yeah, look, I think the, as Fitzy mentioned last episode, with Scott being under the one of the most bit of pressure to win a flag or, or do something, and the next one's probably Ken Hinckley at Port Adelaide, I think Fitzy. Finishing 10th last year, really underachieved. I know they had some injuries, but that side, they went and loaded up with, you know, Rockley if they got lost set. Like, they just filled everywhere. They got Motlop. For me, I think it's, yeah, top four or, or bust. Yeah, me, I, so. I think that's a very good uh, summary there, Gracie, and I would have to completely agree. And they really pushed hard, as you said, a couple of seasons ago when they, I think they made, did they make a prelim final? Was it 2015 or Yeah, They I got think very so, yeah. close. One year they were looking fantastic. They've gone back to the draft, which was their plan last year. And obviously, they picked up Rosie and, and a bunch of young kids. So I think it's either, yeah, top four or bust for Port Adelaide. But I can't see that happening. I just cannot see they've got a couple of players that are aging. Massive question marks around their midfield. And we'll talk about yep. one guy, Dan Houston, shortly. But the only real premium options we've put down here are Travis Boak, who, of course, was a forward line saviour last year. Yep. I'd say has a cross room this year because he's lost the forward eligibility. Yep. And Scott Lysette, which I I really can't put a put a good judgment on him at this point. His price is probably a little bit high with from where we'd like it to be. But obviously, Paddy Wright has left. He's going to be the ruckman on his own. Is he on your radar at all? Or is it more of a, if he was a forward, we might have picked him like he was last year? Yeah, I think he was a forward. He's a bit similar to um, the West off of last year for me. So did just check here he got injured in the first marsh game like set with an ankle injury so and from what i can see he did not play in the in the second one so it's probably a wait and see there on the on the injury front for like set yep. which would be a huge out for them but i suppose that may make someone like a west off a bit more relevant as well so yeah uh, but probably not yep. for me for either of those guys Interesting you bring Westoff up because I know not last season, the season before, he had a brilliant year. I think he was in the All-Australian squad. He won Port Adelaide's best and fairest. Being that R2 for them, that second ruckman who can pinch hit in the ruck, he can play forward or back. Maybe a good option for draft as a late round pick. Who I'm not sure definitely. if he has the DPP still. I don't think he does, but definitely an option to, to keep an eye on. But the guy we need to talk about in this Smokies mid-prices breakout category is Dan Houston, who's had a lot of traction over the last little while, but I don't know. I'm not sure I'm buying into the hype. It's it's tough and probably comes down to, I suppose, with this 17-game season and the rookies not improving as much, you're going to have to look at a guy like this. As we've, we've He's in a similar bracket to, as we mentioned, Brody Smith, a defender that's going to go into the midfield. He'll be in that similar bracket as well as a Jack Stephen too in yep. the price, price bracket and Devin Smith. So first game, he did get slam tackled into the ground in quarter one but he had 14 touches yeah, and that was in one quarter. So yeah. I think that sort of solidifies that he's going to be in that midfield for majority of the game. So 
And then second game, he what did he play? had 96 super coach, 22 touches from 71% game time. So he didn't even play the whole game then either. Yep, so yep. I've put him back in. He's been, he was in, then he was out for quite <laughs> a period. And now he's, to be honest for me, he's probably going to stay in there. I think it's just too yeah. hard to leave him out yeah, with the yep. rookie situation. So. And I'm aware again, and one of these things with their ownership is, does it get to a point where you need to pick him or you're going to be left behind? And, what I was really hoping to see from him, and I realized in that second game he got tackled, you know, hit his head and he had to, to come out of the game, but it would have been really good to go out and see him just rip one of those games a new one. You know, 30 disposals, a couple of goals, 10 tackles, and just absolutely yep. rip it apart. Because one thing I want to I want to make everyone aware of is just because players play in the midfield doesn't automatically make them premiums. I mean, there's a lot of guys who play in the midfield like Chris Marston <laughs> last year. Did you pick him? No. no. So that's probably a really bad example, but just because he plays a lot of midfield doesn't really mean that he could be a premium. Yep. Now, the one saving grace for him is, is of course, he's a defender. So anything yeah. over 90, we consider to be a premium option. So yep. he's probably the one for me that I have not been able to make my mind up. I've, I talked in the last show about Jeremy Howe, who I've brought in as a point of difference to him, but... My, my sort of theory is he's going to come out in round one against the Gold Coast and go 140. Yeah. And then I'll go, crap, <laughs> why haven't I picked him? Can't leave him out, I don't think. That's and, the thing. Yeah. And uh, that's probably a massive catalyst for me. We know how quick or how uh, quickly you can fall behind in Supercoach if you don't get off to a good start. But having said that, how many times have we seen guys average 130 across the first three rounds and then average 80 from there? So. Yep. I'm going to do a little bit more homework on him myself because obviously Ollie Wines will be back at some stage and they've got a plethora of young kids playing in the midfield. Don't forget Tom Rockliffe's still hanging around. Probably a better example of just because he plays midfield doesn't mean you pick him. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Dan Houston's the one up in the air for me and I'd actually love some feedback from the fans or the followers as uh, to what they're I mean, picking. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, just checking here, he's in 25% of teams already. We knew that was probably going to happen. He still averaged 89 last year, Fitz. So as a defender, he had a couple of bigger... 130 games yep, as well so yeah like i said i would have loved to have seen him as well just you know 30 touches a couple of goals but i think what in what may get everyone over the line is that first game where he did have the 14 touches in a quarter and yeah and went at 57 disposal efficiency so like, yeah there's yep. definitely room for improvement but yep. obviously we haven't seen it yet but um yeah, of course it's a very very tough one send in your, <laughs> send in your thoughts everyone and we'll cover it off please so. do because that's the one i need help with and we'll quickly cover off a few of these guys who have popped up in teams connor rosie's uh, appeared in a couple in the forward line i think he's around the 400k mark but i've already said my thoughts on those players and there's better value at the lower end of the scale around the 300k mark Darcy Byrne-Jones as Dan Houston's sort of backline buddy. He was another one who finished the year off fairly strong last year from memory. But for me, I think there's better value with a few of the guys here. The pay up for a Caleb Daniel or a Luke yep. Ryan or just switch it to a Doherty or a Jeremy Howe or someone in that sort of boat. And Robbie Gray was one I wanted to bring up because he did have a little bit of midfield time in that second Marsh game. Is this the year that Kenny goes, well, you know what? I need to put my best midfielder in the comp and uh, in the midfield. And I, I cannot understand, Eddie. It's like having a Lamborghini and leaving it in the garage all the time. Oh. He should be playing in the midfield. And I do not understand why they're playing forward when they've got so many dangerous forwards. Why is he stuck in the in the full uh, pocket? It's got it's got me beat. Yeah, in in one of the Marsh games, like uh, would he have ninety three super coach from nineteen touches? The thing for me is he's a better forward than a midfielder for me. He's the guy that you know complements Charlie Dixon or Charlie Dixon complements him. So with the, both of them up there, they're a super dangerous forward line. Like, could you imagine trying to play on Robbie Gray? He's got you know he's got strong hips. He can move the like opponents out of the yep. way quite easy, easily. So I think his four goals a game is more important than 
having him in the midfield. I think you leave the midfield up to, you know, your, your Houston, your Bokes, your Wines is when they come back, your Power Peppers that they've got there. So to me, I think he has to be up forward for them to yeah. get anywhere near a flag. I'm liking this, Nettie, because I actually disagree with Gracie. I reckon he's better <laughs> off being in the midfield where he gets, because he gets 30 touches and he still yep. kicks two goals. Yep. I mean, someone's got to get the ball down to their forward line. Boke's getting yep. too old. I mean, I Robbie Gray's not a spring chicken either. Sam Powell Pepper's been tried as a forward. Ollie yep. Wines is always injured. Rockliffe's so up and down, you can never yeah. be a consistent performer. Yep. If I was the coach, I would be putting him in the midfield to yep. get that 28, 30 touches and still kick two goals. But I, yep. I respect both opinions. And that's one, again, let's throw it to the to the followers. Yeah, Robbie Gray, where should he play? This, uh, is, uh, this is good, uh, <laughs> good, good chat, don't you reckon? Ned, we're disagreeing. There's, oh, no, yeah. there's no punches yet. Yeah, yeah good. being the key word. I don't need to jump <laughs> in between you boys. And of course, if you are listening, info at greywolfentertainment.net to let us know about Robbie Gray. And who was the other one? Dan Houston. You want to yeah, know about him as well? Yeah, the Port Adelaide's really got us stuck in. You know the guy we need a shout out to is Kingsley Dalgleish because he could probably fill us in on this. The biggest Port Adelaide supporter outside of Adelaide he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know about it. He wears Port Adelaide everything. He's, <laughs> uh, his work car might be Port Adelaide soon, I reckon. Exactly, so. mate. I'll, I'll quickly cover off uh, two rookie options we did identify here. I think with the, the amount of guys coming in last year, they didn't have a too much coming from the draft. Jackson Mead was one who had a bit of traction early, but has since dropped off. I wouldn't even be looking at him. And Mitchell Georgiatis was another one. And I think he's pretty much a clone of Max King, a young forward. He'll probably play a lot of games, but at his price, I think you're either dropping it down to a King or you switch him across to Jared Brander from West Coast. Yeah, yeah I think so too. And and just before we, we move on, I think there's, there's probably one guy that has fallen off a bit because... He got injured, but Jack Watts, Fitzy. Yeah, I've just okay. looked at the injury list. He's a he's they're not he's calf estimated return. They're not sure yet, but he started off. Was it last year? He started off he just did. amazingly that intercept marker in the in the half back, and I think that probably what hurt him during the year. So. Is, it, is he any thought at all? or? Yeah, you know what? I haven't even heard of that name for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. You've just reminded me. But funnily enough, I had Jack Watts in our draft league last year, and you're right. Yeah. His first three or four games, however many he played, were fantastic. But possibly an option, uh, again, in draft league, if you want yep. a guy that can sit on the bench that maybe won't play round one or two. But... I hope, and for his sake, I hope he finds his spot in the team. And as a, a halfback flanker who can intercept Mark and maybe f- take a few kick-ins, I think he could be a good fit for that team and maybe one of those pieces that they need. But Definitely. again, Nettie, it's, uh, it's a lot of pressure on Port Adelaide this year to perform, but I just can't see where the improvement comes from. This has been a very interesting one, Port Adelaide. I didn't expect so much heat, so much tension. There's a little bit between you guys here, a little bit up and down. I like it, and hopefully Jackson Mead wasn't listening. No. Quote John, don't even worry about him. He's gone. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll move on to last year's Premiers, the Tigers, and boy, oh boy, did they look good in that grand final. Looked almost unstoppable. Do you think yeah. they'll be right up there again? Yeah, um, I hope not, because they're starting to become the Collingwood, to be honest. Um, look, you know they're they're in that that patch where they're just they've got a dynasty coming. I think so. They just seem to bring a guy in, gets the job done. You know what? Four years ago, five years, four years ago, I reckon it was. T- everyone was talking about Hardwick getting sacked, mm. and now he's a you know two-time premiership coach. And I can't see anyone beating them apart from probably West Coast, who we'll talk about later. But yep. I honestly think it's probably going to be Richmond in the grand final again. And they've probably got the luxury um, that they've got a couple of rookie mids that have come in where Dusty could go forward and 
There's no reason why we can't see Dusty kick 50 goals for the year this year. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Gracie. And I've had the privilege of listen to, listening to Neil Baum and Matthew Richardson speak over the last couple of months. And you're spot on there. What actually happened, and I've got the inside scoop here, Eddie, with Damien Hardwick. He came in, it was his seventh season that he'd been there. And he pretty much said to the playing group, look, guys, if we don't win a premiership this year, I'm gone. I'm done. Let's just go out and have some fun. Let's just go out, you know, yeah. you know, just enjoy ourselves while we're playing footy. And he actually went over to Harvard and did a course on leadership and, and coaching. So completely changed his game plan and his coaching style. And look what's happened. So it's it's pretty admirable. And Barmy also was talking about they've employed three full-time mental health and welfare people at the club. So it says a lot to me anyway about coaching styles and, and looking after people off the field as much as on the field but yeah I like that right there yeah um, I think they're heavily involved with a group of people that we had a big chat to as well from as well these big leadership people and Dustin Martin was one of their guys and they just raved about him amazing so yeah, yeah nothing but props for the Richmond Tigers what they're doing but like Gracie said it's turning into a bit of a dynasty we we've, don't uh, want that too <laughs> we've got a couple of premium options here we've just put a line through Bash Hooli, who's done a calf, I think. Been ruled out for the um, I saw that. Thursday yeah, night's game. So he saw that. Um, Hooli, look, he's he's been up there the last few years. Fits for me. He's starting to turn. Probably going to turn into that sort of. I guess Cade Simpson. He'll still be good, yep. but those high scores probably uh, probably not. No longer, and, no. and the injuries might start coming. Sadly, had a really good season last year, all Australian, and unfortunately this year it's looking like it's going to be another one for him in and out of the side a lot, yep. which does help uh, Jaden Short, which we might mention shortly. But yep. Dustin Martin's one that I am just going to say, lock him in, throw away the key. I'm not going to say much more than that. Best case, he averages 115. Worst case, he averages 100. I cannot yep. see it going any other way. Yeah, I'm the same, and he was just warming up in the uh, – didn't play Marsh 1 because he played State of Origin. I was at that game, and when he went forward, there was no other player in the field. 50. It was just let Dusty do his work. Yep. And I think he was on Blissarves at one stage who was quite taller than Dusty, but Dusty just put one hand out and said, see you later. So second Marsh game, had 24 touches, kicked two goals too, played 84% game time. He was just cruising. He was yep. just in, in first gear. And I think once uh, Thursday night hits, I think... Honestly, you worry about Carlton. So if, if, the, if the AFL does go ahead, it's going to be a, a dusty show, I reckon. I love it, so. man. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about structures in a little bit. I've got a little bit of a theory on whether he should be F1 or F2, uh, depending on how much money you want to spend and try to balance out your budget. But he's a lock. But two guys that are in our sort of mid-prices breakout category... Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt. Now, Jack Rewalt missed a fair chunk of the season last year. Not a lot of people would probably remember... But are either of these guys on your radar? Because I've seen Lynch in quite a few teams in recent times, and I'm starting to consider one of them as an option and maybe a point of difference to a Jack Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Lynch, I mean, when he was at the Gold Coast, I remember that game. We went and watched him play against Geelong. He single-handedly beat Geelong because no one could play on him. Like, he's just, he's tall. He's got that good lead. He gets the separation on the lead and just, you kick it out in front of him. He's going to mark it all the time. Yep. I mean, even one-on-one, he's gotten better. Uh, by building his strength and you know Marsh too he um, what had 15 touches six tackles which is really yeah. good for a key forward kick four goals so get that from a key forward I think he's, he's quite cheap as well from memory as well fits so I mean, if you want to take a risk I'd, I'd he's the one yeah. yeah especially over yeah I guess your Jack Darling and even your Josh Kennedy Kennedy's very reliant on goals where I think you might find Lynch will have a lot of goal assists him and Rewalt yeah. 
will be so good in that forward line. Yeah, together. I completely agree. And I think Rewald in the team complements Tom Lynch. And I reckon if I was looking for a point of difference, he's not in my team, but I'm starting to talk myself into picking him, actually, because the one thing about Lynch is he's so good around his feet that it's not just goals that he relies on. It's tackles. It's, you know, picking up the ball and firing out a handball, contested possessions. He's quite the complete forward, and if he plays 22 games, look out for him to average between 90 and 95. I'm going to call that right now. Definitely, and price-wise, Fitz, he's 388, so yep. he's around that Jack Steven Yeah, sort of I, I love it. So definitely a consider for me. And there's a couple of rookies, and you mentioned earlier, I believe Riley Collier-Dawkins was one you were talking about, and, uh, of course, Marlon Pickett, who was a superstar in the grand final last year. Pickett's a lock. I don't think we need to say too much about him. He's in everyone's team, yep. I'm assuming. Definitely. Collier-Dawkins is one that I'm going to back into play if he gets named round one. He's obviously fighting with your Jack Rosses and these sorts of guys to potentially come off the bench. But if he gets named round one, I'm going to call him as probably one of the rookie bolters of the season. He's got a sensational year at at VFL level under his belt. He looks fit. I believe he might have only played one Marsh game, but a lot of Richmond supporters from what I've seen want to see him play. And I would not be surprised if he came in and and dominated against Carlton on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, and this is probably the game to give him a go, so against a Carlton side who are, you know, finished quite poorly last year. And Go the blue baggers. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, he's a midfielder fits. And as we said, if they put Dusty forward, this is the type of uh, opportunity for a young young fella like like him to take his chance. And yep. we've seen it before at Richmond with – who was it last – was it last year or the year before someone come in and, and average Yeah, Sydney well. Stack was one. Stack was one. Jack and Ross looked yeah, really Jack good. Yeah, Ross is one yep. I was thinking of. So, yeah, you, Richmond or Hardwick – Gives opportunities, as you can see. So. Yes, and that was the point I wanted to make as well, that Hardwick sticks by his rookies. Even Noah Bolter last year, yep. he was awful for most of the season, but I think he played a few games, got dropped, and then when he came back and he stayed in the side. So Hardwick sticks by his players. So, Nettie, there's a few good options there from Richmond. Dustin Martin, superstar of the competition, lock in the forward line, but a few guys around the mark that we should be considering as well. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I've got two players in my team now, man. <laughs> Cunnington, my boy, and Pickett. Because I, I watched Grand Final last year and he was amazing there was something else first game too yeah yeah Yeah. it was unbelievable how about the Saints though I know a lot of Saints fans big shout out to our Grey Wolf wrestling host and Minazor mother-in-law Carmel Michael (laughs) big time Saints fans how are they gonna go they're the tricky one Gracie I think you'll probably agree the, uh, the Saints are the hardest team to choose out of everyone here I think for where they're gonna place they finished 14th last year which is a bit low, I would have thought, considering where they yep. thought they were going to come in. Uh, yep. They had a lot of rookies debut. They've had a lot of rookies over the last few years debut, mind you. But they've gone out and they've traded and recruited very hard with guys like Bradley Hill coming in, Paddy Ryder's come in, Zach Jones has come in. Like I'm yep. just trying to think. There's so many guys that have it's come in a lot. to plug holes in that team. Dylan Robertson's back. Where do you see them finishing this year? They're very hard to pick. Oh, it's it's so hard. But, geez, I tell you what, watching Brad Hill was very, very exciting. And if you're a Saints fan, he just ran and carried that ball with such class. And I think that's what they've missed. Yep. Hanbury back too after yes. with a full preseason. And then you've got those young kids that they've been sort of, I guess, developing as well. You know, you've got, got your guys like your Dunstans, your Steels. Who else am I thinking of here? I think there was, you know, you got Max King. Like, even he looked quite good in the Marsh series as well. So, there's, if you're a Saints fan, I'd be pretty excited. Like, yeah. Paddy Ryder, you got Rowan Marshall still there. So, there's no no pressure from Ryder to come in and perform straight away. Yep. So, I hope Saints get up there just because of, obviously, what happened with Danny Frawley and everything yeah, last year. Yep. And, obviously, um, Brett Ratton getting another crack at coaching. And yep. just seeing some of the videos on Facebook from the, from the Saints and, 
and that and Rat seems to have, you know, got the love of the players and it's just a good yep. feel down there at the moment, I think. I, I so. think you're probably probably about right, Gracie. And, and I'm picturing you've got Seb Ross, Jack Steele, Hanabry in and under in that midfield. You've got Jack Billings on one wing. You've got Brad Hill on another wing. Yep. There's no excuse why they can't get that ball into their 50-meter arc every time they uh, yep. have a center, center, center square bounce. But yep. let's look at a few options and we've listed a couple under premium options, one being Rowan Marshall, who... Had a massive year out of nowhere last year. I think he averaged around 112, 111. Playing as a forward, he was at the point. Came in to take the ruck mantle off Billy Longer after like round one, I believe. Yep. And he killed it. He absolutely yep. destroyed it. And probably the the one, I guess, frustrating point is adding Paddy Ryder to that mix means he's probably not going to play a lot of sole ruckman. So... I'm not considering him this year. And again, we'll talk about rucks in a little bit, but probably a little bit too expensive as an R2 for mine. Yeah, I think so. I think unless he yeah overtakes a, a Gorn or a Grundy, which, look, he was good last year in a Saints side that finished 14th. But yeah, it's just very hard. You, with a shortened season, if it does go that way, that I think you'll be wanting to get Gorn in as quickly as possible because you're going to yep. be losing points quite quickly. Um, so he's probably going to be your first upgrade. Yep. No, I think that's, that's a solid analysis. And I've sort of bunched a few together here. Seb Ross, Jack Steele, and Jack Billings, a couple of guys who I mentioned before. Unfortunately, Billings lost the Ford eligibility this year, which we've yep. probably seen him to be a lock, to be fair. Yep. I know my mum's put Seb Ross in her team because he's a good Horsham boy, of course, Nettie. <laughs> yeah, and she's a good Horsham lady. And she's so. a good Horsham lady. <laughs> nice. But are any of these three on your radar, Gracie? Billings, I, I mean, he, he's burnt us a couple of times before. Fitz, he's in that Toby Green category, Nelly. Yep. But, like, you watch him play. I think last year, before the season, and even, like, the season before, he got a real kick up the backside yep. to show that, you know, you've got the talent here, kid. Start producing. It kind of yep. reminds of when Stevie J was, you know, just going to the pubs and stuff. And, and, <laughs> um, and they gave him we a kick you, up the butt. You talking to these players, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got the potential there, kid. I like it, man. Go on, kid. Keep going. Sorry to so, cut you off. No, that's all right, man. And then, um, yeah, so Billings could be an upgrade option, as you said, in that for, if um, in that midfield. So, but hopefully, yeah, one of those guys could be a. Could be a, a look at it. Seb Ross, you know, he's been pretty consistent yep. last few years. It's probably just his ceiling, but at the moment, not for me. Yep, yep. No, that's a fair summation there, Gracie. So we'll look at some mid-price guys. As of here, I'll just quickly highlight probably the first one we should talk about is Dylan Roberton, who, of course, missed all of last year with that, uh, I guess, heart scare that he had during the game, collapsed. Yep. He Jeez. was on the brink of retirement, Nettie, and he's making a return fully fit, I hear is the word. He obviously played Marsh too. I've got a few yep. thoughts on him, but I'll hear yours first, Gracie. He's cheap, 260, I think, around that mark. Yep. So... Marsh 2 had 16 touches, 9 marks across half back there. I mean, 260k, you know, pay an extra 40, 50k from like your John Nobles, as you mentioned in yep. the first episode. If you can fit him in, I'd pick him because he's done it before. So, yeah, that's, um, that's right. At the moment, for me, probably not, um, unless I can, yeah, free up a bit of cash somewhere. But he's a very interesting pick and very popular pick. Yeah, he really is. And I've seen a lot of teams with him at D3, which I. Think it's not a great idea. No. I think D4, especially with, you know, how we keep saying now that the rounds are going to be shortened and we may need to look at some mid-price options. He fell completely off my radar, I'll say, up until the last few days as to now he's come yep. back in because of the, the shortened rounds. But I want to throw a few things at you here because obviously he had that one really good season, 2017. He averaged 94, 
2018 it would have been. Yep, yep. He started the year like a house on fire and like Ben, ben Cunnington last year who let yep. me down. I traded Robertson in and he went on to maybe go another three scores over 100. So yep. he really dropped off, had a great start, then sort of fell away. Now, one thing I really want to point out is before he had the heart issue, he only had one score above 90 out of the seven games. And I reckon you could probably check that for yep, me, but yep. I believe he only had one score over 90 in the seven games that he played. And you got to remember the two seasons that he had as premiums were where they had him. It was Jimmy Webster. A lot of no-name guys were bringing the ball out of yep. defense. Yep. I just feel that they've got Hunter Clark back there. They've recruited really well uh, across half back. You know, Shane Savage has made the transition to the back yep. line. I don't know. I just I was excited about him at the start, but the last thing you want, and we've seen it before, he comes out round one, he scores seventy, which is passable. Yep. Round two, he scores fifty-five. Yeah. Then what do you do with him? Yep. So, anyone who's got him at D three, I would say please rethink. But yep. I think now with the landscape looking the way it is, D four is probably not a bad bad fit. And obviously, yep. you can put like a John Noble or a, a Zerk Thatcher at D five. I personally have gone for a completely different strategy, but yep. I think if you're going to pick him. D4 is probably the perfect spot, but just keep in mind his, uh, I guess, his situation. And and not to forget, Neddy, he got very serious there. He was going to retire. Yep. All of a sudden, he's back in the spotlight. He's back playing again. I'd just be very cautious, and we hope that he's back to full health, of course, but it's a big ask for him to play 22 games. Yep, definitely. Well, in his case, I guess we hope for the 17. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. That might work into his favor. But a couple of the guys we've mentioned in here, Brad Hill, you've already spoken about. I think he's going to make a massive difference for, for the St. Kilda Saints, possibly not in Supercoach other than draft. One guy that got me very excited earlier on, Grace, is Jade Gresham, though. And he's one of those guys, a bit like ben Billings, that's been a bit of a tease, I guess you'd say. A tease for more midfield time. Uh, could this be the season that he finally breaks out and goes above 90. I think so. He didn't play in uh, March 2 from what I can see here because this was the guy I was actually trying to think of before. But yeah, he. I reckon he can. It's just whether or not he gets enough midfield time with those guys there. He's lively up forward. He kicks you know, a few goals and stuff like that. So keep an eye on him, I reckon. Our mate John O'Carroll, um, oh, he, he's go. got him in, I think. Yep. So, But he is a Saints man, so it's probably a bit biased. <laughs> but I think he's, yeah, he, he's going to be around that maybe 90 85, 90 mark, yep. but there's no reason why he couldn't push up a bit higher if he does push into the midfield, but yeah, probably just uh, wait and see. Yeah, he's a very he's very much a Michael Walters type player, isn't he? He's really got up forward. He can get stints in the midfield. Probably only needs 20 touches and a goal to score 100 super coach, so keep an eye out for him. Two young defenders we'll quickly mention, Hunter Clark and Ben Long. Ben Long in particular had a very good marsh series from what we saw. He was taking intercept marks. He was breaking packs. A couple of guys that are going to chew into Dylan Robertson's potential back there. Hunter Clark had a bit of, I guess, a bit of love before the Marsh series started because he has had stints in the midfield. I think the, the St. Kilda team's going to be very different this year. So I'd almost hold off on any of those sort of 400K guys just to see how it all plays out. We've seen guys like Billings come out, score well, role change, and then everything's sort of gone to the wayside. Yep. But I think with the new coach in, a couple of obviously new recruits, and they're all mature age recruits that have come in to do a job. I'd be sort of steering clear of a few of those guys from St. Kilda, other than, as we say, Dylan Robertson, if he can fit him in somewhere. Yep, definitely. I, I totally agree there, Fitz. Yeah, no, just real quick, we'll mention Max King, who I'm very excited about. And as a Saints fan, you should be excited about John O'Carroll. I'm sure he's up and about. He's <laughs> probably a lock for your F8 spot. I won't yep. say much more than that, but should play every game depending on if there's 17 or 22, but he'll play every yep, game. You know, definitely. he's the sort of guy, if he kicks four goals, he might score 70 or 80, but 
I think his job security is probably about as best as you're going to get for a yep. for a, a rookie. So I'm going to lock him in, and I think everyone should consider him. And yeah, definitely look for a big season, Saints fans. But like I said earlier, Eddie, very hard to pick. Yeah, look out right there. And John, Matt, I've smiled a little bit going into Sydney here because there's not often a Sydney Swan. Apart from your athleticism, of course, Gracie <laughs> has something in common with us. And I noticed Jake Lloyd down here. Our boy, for those listening, may not know, he was once a zombie. He was. He never played a game of zombies <laughs> basketball, but he was on our team list. That's a true story. It's it close. Is. Close enough. He committed to we'll it. He just that. didn't we'll rock up. He's, so. he's probably shown more commitment than Tim Pickett at the moment, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh well. shots fired. Big time. But uh, yeah, it's a good way to bring up the Sydney Swans. And he finished 15th last year, 8 and 14, and really looked shambles at times, Gracie, of course. Buddy Franklin in and out of the team makes a massive difference. They've had retirements through the back line. Nick Smith, Heath Grundy, McVeigh, all these guys have retired. I really can't see them finishing too much higher than that. Maybe in that sort of 12th to 14th range with a few young kids coming through. But now it's probably a bit of a time for them to start doing, they like to say nowadays, a mini rebuild. Maybe get you know Will Gould and these sorts of guys in. They drafted Dylan Stevens in the top 10. Get these guys in and start looking at the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm probably going to disagree with you here, Fitz. I reckon another oh, disagreement. So, I, oh, I like um, it. I just think um, you can't count out um, Longmire, to be honest. I think this last year was their mini rebuild for me. Yep. I think probably not finals, but I think they could be around that Hawthorne mark. Ninth and tenth. Yep. Um, they might be around you there. Got there though. I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. going to be a, eight, eight of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. About eight. It's going to be a bit of a log jam, but I just think, um, yeah. With, uh, I mean, uh, Papley's in great form. Um, Lloyd will keep doing his thing. Uh, we watched that Sydney North game, and Josh Kennedy was a absolute beast. So he seems to be um, firing, firing at the moment, which is great. Isaac Heaney, um, as we've seen, will probably play a bit more forward. So there's a, a forward target up there for him with Papley and hopefully yep. Buddy's back. But um, I think they've got some exciting young young kids coming through their fits. So not finals for me, but I still think that they might be around that 500 win-loss yeah, mark certainly. for me. So. And that would definitely be a pass mark for Sydney. I like how he's disagreed with me and Eddie. He thinks they'll finish two places higher. <laughs> 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 but we're on through a couple of options. Jake Lloyd, who Ned mentioned earlier, he's been an absolute superstar in defense for us the last couple of seasons. Now, this comes back down to probably more team structure, but I've passed on him for now. Oh. Not because of his scoring ability, but I believe that the money can be used more wisely elsewhere because he is way up there at 600K on his own. Now, last oh. season, his last maybe eight or nine games were a little bit lower than earlier. Of course, we've got Jordan Dawson coming through, taking some of those kickouts again. The Sydney backline will probably restructure a bit this season, but I'm leaving him out for now, Gracie. And again, we'll talk structures in a little bit, but he's out for me for now. Yeah, and I mean, I probably had him one of the first ones picked when I first did it, but I probably agree with you on, on leaving him out um, for the moment, just purely on his price. And I hope he doesn't take it too, uh, too much to heart, but <laughs> I mean, he's in what, 26% of teams it says here and... Um, I'm just going to you know, have a look at these stats. Like he still have you know, 108 last year, which was fantastic. But towards the end of the year, fits from round 19, four scores in a row in the 80s, and he finished off with a 113. So you are right there. He did drop off a bit. Yeah. That 590 price tag for me is probably a bit high, yeah. especially when, as you said, you could have like, you know, those guys around the 520 and free up about, you know, 60, 70K, which yeah. could get you another good M5 
and and get you those extra points. So yeah. for me, at the moment, it's a it's a pass and yeah. wait to see on Lloydy. My team, Matt. He's made mine. <laughs> and Ned will probably beat us now. <laughs> and just like the economy at the moment, which is crashing, I think cash is king in Supercoach this year and using your cash wisely. And that is the only reason that I'm not going to pick Jake Lloyd. I fully expect him to average over 100 again. But, you know, a few question marks around the Swans and that cash outlay for D1 when we can spend... 80k less and get Rory Laird for example and I fully expect him to bounce back as we've already said I feel like is a better investment and one guy you mentioned Isaac Heaney which was frustrating last year he I actually was surprised to look back and see averaged around that 95 mark but geez he has some low games and he's a bit like the Robbie Gray argument he's uh, an amazing midfielder but potentially a better forward and I'm pretty sure Longmire's already come out and said that he's going to play mainly forward this year so for me a hard pass in terms of a starting player and of course he had a broken thumb for how long that takes to recover so I'll be passing on him but I fully expect him to be a worthy F5 or F6 come season's end. Yeah absolutely same same for me I think you'll have him in at the end of the year and you know, Marsh, two against North, he played 74% game time, so a fair chunk, but only had the 11 touches and kicked a goal. So um, I think just that midfield time is going to hurt him. I think you, can, you could bring him in maybe 50 to 80K cheaper yep. towards the end of the season. And by then, I think you'll find he might be a bit of a point of difference because a lot of people probably on him now, but we'll probably jump off, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I'd say his ownership's probably a bit higher now because a lot of people just come in and pick him because he's a, yeah. a well-known player. He had back-to-back seasons of 97 averaging, which is fantastic for a forward and then dropped a little bit last year, but it's all just roll for him. And we'll have a quick look at some mid-prices. Buddy Franklin was a big one, Grace, that I was ready to pick, geared up, ready to select him in there if he had a full preseason, but he's had another injury come up, as they always seem to. He's the best player in the comp when he's up and about, but just can't stay Bit. That's his big problem. It has been, I think, in the last few years going up to Sydney. It's just those injuries. So, you know, you, you had him first picked every year quite a few years yep, ago, yep. but I think he's just sort of, I guess, passed it a bit now. So, definitely a miss. Look, if he comes out and, you know, he's average around that 95 to 100 for a key forward, I think you'd probably upgrade to him down the track. But yep. just with this, the shorter season, if that, that happens, you'll, you'll be looking elsewhere, I think. Yeah, so, I think and this is where you, you, I think you'd pick Tom Lynch. Yeah. Over, buddy. Correct. So, yep. Yeah. Great call there, Gracie. And he's actually one that I'd be looking as a nice bench stash option in your draft yep. league. I think Lance Franklin, he'll come in at some stage and it depends on their draw too. He always rips apart, you know, your Carlton's and your Gold Coast and these sorts of guys yeah. So and becomes a captain option. But one guy who's been up for debate the last week or so that I've seen is Sam Naismith, who of course has been injured for most of his career. He's come in, he's playing Ruck 1 for Sydney. Callum Sinclair's gone forward. He's 250K. I've had him in and out a lot just trying to work out where to use this money. How do you feel about him? He hasn't really been on my radar until you mentioned him, to be honest. Look, you know, first March game, yeah, it was all right. 55% game time, scored 79, 28 hitouts. So the only problem for me is when Buddy comes back, does that then move Sinclair back into the ruck? So because can they play Heaney, Franklin and, and Sinclair all there at once? So... That's probably the the impact that it may have, but two decent scores in the Marsh game, and for what is he two hundred fifty k? Two hundred fifty, just bet on the dot. Um, yeah, if you want to free up some cash, and and you know it's a big saving from Sam Jacobs as well. So it's you could spend that cash elsewhere, put that cash with the money you save on Lloyd. You know, one hundred sixty k. That's yeah, that goes your M five goes from a McCluggage to a 
you know, danger. So. Yeah, that's a very good point. And that's where I've tried to fit him in. And my mind's changed just slightly at the moment, opting more for the Sam Jacobs. Just have that... 100k buffer because you know if Jacobs yep. comes out and, and has a few quiet games at least you've got some options whereas my biggest fear for Naismith and it's a bit like Dylan Robertson if he comes out and scores 80 in round one you go oh that was that was pretty good goes 50 in round two then you're completely stuck you need to throw yep. out some cash to do anything with him so yeah I am treating him in that sort of rookie category even though he's 250k I think for a ruck two you'd still class him as a rookie so you take yep. a 70 average yep. he'll make enough but it's just whether he can make enough money to turn into Max Gorn yeah and I mean, we've spoken about this quite a bit, and Sam Jacobs is the pick for me if you're looking for a cheaper one. He's done it before. He's got the best midfield in the comp around him. And like I said, he's got a bit of a buffer there if it all goes pear-shaped. And that's the concern with Naismith, that if it does go wrong, Sam Reed's the other one they need to fit into that team somewhere. So, I mean, yep. who really knows where Longmire will throw those magnets around come round one, but... <laughs> I really like him as an option. I just don't think I've got the kahunis to pick him because yep. I've got bad dreams of when we picked Matthew Lewenberger <laughs> a few years yep. ago, 2016, yep. I believe it was, for Essendon. And, and Ruck yeah. twos, cheap Ruck twos rarely work out. So yep. I think I'm going to pass on him. But you, you never know what might happen come round one. And one guy to very quickly, quickly touch on is Jordan Dawson, who had a really, really good end to last year. He's got the defender forward link, which is a yep. very rare one in Supercoach couple of quiet marsh games have sort of sent him drop off the radar. For me, he's a yep. massive wait and see because yep. this kid could be anything. Uses the ball beautifully. Yep. He gets up and down the ground. He's very much a Lloyd-type player. Yep. He would save you a lot of money if you picked him over Jake Lloyd. But for me, probably not with the amount of options that are cheaper that should average yep. the same. Yeah, I think he might be a next-year pick for me. Just see how he goes this year. He does have a pretty damaging... Uh, kick on him so he's a bit like I guess your Daniel Richards does um, penetrate that ball through to the forward line so um, look he's Marsh one game they got absolutely pumped by the Giants he did did okay and then the second one he yeah just wasn't anywhere to be seen to be honest so probably not this year for me yeah a lot of people are picking him but just the price tag like if he was yep. 50 60k cheaper than probably but yeah no that's a very fair call there's a couple of rookies they did draft Dylan Stevens early as I said last year he's probably in that boat of being too expensive compared to what his output's going to be so I think he's a pass for me I know you were keen on him earlier on but I think there's better options and saving a bit in the bank Will Gould had a massive Marsh one we all saw that bump on Matt DeBoer everyone got excited about it then he didn't play Marsh too so I'm a, I'm a glass half full sort of guy, so I'm hoping they saw enough from him to yep. pick him round one. Like I said, you know they're going to restructure that back line a bit. I hope he gets picked because we need some rookies in the back line to come through and save us. Yeah, I think, as you said, yeah, he had 10 touches, that big bump, scored 68 supercoach, went 100% efficiency so yeah. from 68% game time. So played just over half the game and they got beaten by nearly 100 points. So um, there's some promising signs there from uh, Will Gould, but I think he'd be the only one you would probably look at uh, at picking unless Dylan Stevens really did come out and, and dominate because yep. he had, does have quite a price tag on him. So Yeah, exactly. But look out for Sydney, Nettie. We've uh, kind of disagreed on where we think they'll finish, but, <laughs> you know, another good season and a lot of it could come down to Buddy Franklin's health. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing what you're saying there, boys, and just intrigued <laughs> at how, how much you have looked into all of this, guys, and... Uh, the way that you guys are sort of nutting this out, you could change again by this time yeah. tomorrow is what <laughs> I'm picking up on, but I'm loving it. Let's jump into the West Coast Eagles. These guys, you mentioned earlier, you think you're going to be right up there once again. The Eagles have gone out and they, they finally got their man, Tim Kelly. Um, as I mentioned, 
in the first episode with Geelong, they they did give up a lot for him, but they're in that premiership window now. Um, yep. There's no point not trying to get him. So, I mean, that's one dangerous midfield. You got Kelly, Gaff, Shuey, Yo. I mean, big Nick Nat tapping it down to him. Yeah, Good luck. That's, <laughs> um, that's a, I think they're the yep. only team that can possibly interrupt this Richmond dynasty. The big thing for me is if Nick Nat plays 17, the full 17 or the full 22, whatever it ends up being, they win a flag for me. You know, Tim Kelly's all class. It just really pushes a guy like Gaff. He'll be pure wing for yep. the whole year. So it just, just makes him so much more dangerous. Yeah, it's it's a scary thought. And that's a fantastic summary there, Gracie. And West Coast Eagles, for me, are that one team that is just pure class across the field. They are probably the perfect starting 22 in the league. If yeah. they're all healthy and if Nick Nat plays all games, they're going to be right up there this year. And, and, of course, they play so well in Perth. But we look at a few options, and that midfield is just probably one of the best we've seen, obviously, since the Judd Cousins Kerr days. But adding Tim Kelly to an already star-studded midfield is a fantastic effort. We've got Kelly, Gaff, Shuey, and you mentioned Yo there as well. Are you thinking of any of these guys as maybe a point of difference in your team to start the year off? The only one you'd probably you'd probably look at or couple would be Yo and Kelly. Yep. For me, Kelly's obviously done it at Geelong. Kicks goals, gets 30-odd touches a game. Yo, we know he's done it before. He's the same. He can play that midfield, comes across half back, then goes forward. So he's a real, real swing man. So they're probably the only two. Shuey, Maybe, but it's just, it's, it's really hard to fit all of them in. Like, yeah, you'd probably love true. to have them in because they're probably going to dominate. But, um, and then you've got Shannon Hearn down back who yep. takes a lot of the kick ins, which helps. I think that's what boosted, has boosted his score up. It did. But he's not in for me. I'm just going to be a wait and see. Yeah, goes, so. I think that's a smart decision, and, and he really sort of dropped off. Again, we talk about a lot of these guys who came out, and he's a good tip for anyone starting. Just because a guy comes out and smashes the first month of the season, just hold off because they do tend to taper off a lot of these guys, and Shannon Hearn's a perfect example of that. Averaged 110 up until about the bye, I'd like to say. Then he completely dropped off from there. So he's definitely a wait and see for me, but I've got a big call on one of these Eagles midfielders, which I'll talk about when we get to our viewer questions or our listener questions. Yep, yep. But one thing I want to say about Andrew Gaff, I expect him to be named on the All-Australian wing this year. I think he's going to rip it a new one. Top five finish in the Brownlow. I think he's back to playing his natural position. He finds a lot of the footy probably too outside to be a top 10 supercoach player because he he doesn't get a lot of contested possessions. But I think they're going to be up and about this year. And there's a couple of mid-priced options. You've already talked about Nick Natanui, who is tough. He's a tough pick because we know he can average 100 from 50% game time because they always play a Tom Hickey yep. sort of player. Yep. I'm, I'm opting for cheaper options at this stage. but Nick I think that he, baby. Nick that baby. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about putting him in. I think yeah. you should, Nettie. And, and we actually had a, another listener question to do with Nick Nat. So we might talk about him a bit more when we get to the Definitely. to the questions. But the two guys up for Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy, probably no for me. Both potential you know, top five Coleman medalist finishes, but yep. not in Supercoach this year. Probably not Kennedy. As I mentioned a little earlier, he was really reliant on kicking bags of goals. If he doesn't kick a bag, if someone keeps into a goal, like in the, in the second Marsh game, he was kept a one goal, played just over half the game and scored 29 super coach. So that's yep. the, the the bottom out that you're going to get from him. But the upside is he could kick seven, score 200. Yep. So yep. that's the only, the only downside with Kennedy. So in the second one, he had 
kick six, had 10 touches and scored 122. Yeah, so there you go. Take those six goals out. It's probably a 40 or a 50. So, yep. darling, I honestly, oh, I agree with you. Your chat there fits about he could win the Coleman. He's just a monster. Like, I wouldn't want to be standing in front of him nah. when he's on the lead. Like, he would he would probably kill you. But, yeah, I, I would definitely be seriously considering Darling. You know, I yep. had him in at the start, but yep. just that key four. And he did have a bit of an injury during the preseason that I, yeah. I just avoided him now. Yeah, so. for sure. But definitely could be an upgrade option depending on, obviously, you know, with his 17-game season. Sure. Probably might limit him, but... Keep an eye out on yeah, him for I sure. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not sure, was it last year or the year before where he came out and absolutely killed it in the first 12 games and then, you know, the, the body started to let him down and a, and a few things didn't go their way. But the tricky thing with Darling and Kennedy is their performance and their form sort of relies on each other. If one's injured or one's down, they're sort of both down. So probably a pass for me, but geez, they look potent in that forward line this year. And a couple of rookies we'll talk about. Jared Brand is one that I personally really like. He's a big fella. They're going to play him on the wing. He's got the forward defender eligibility. He's probably a top five rookie for me personally, because I think there's a good spot for him there. Gaff on one wing, him on the other. He can go back, he can go forward. I think it's as simple as if he gets named round one, you pick him. Yeah, I think he's almost pretty much a lock if he does get picked, as you said, Fitz. So definitely keep an eye on those teams for round one. Yeah, and another guy we'll be keeping a close eye on is Bailey Williams, who I believe had a hamstring tightness-related injury and couldn't play Marsh 2, but he looks superb in Marsh 1 and has been uh, very highly touted as Nick Nat's backup. So it's just going to be a matter of whether they play a Tom Hickey, who's a recognized ruckman, or do they go with a bit of a swingman such as Bailey Williams or Oscar Allen's not far off. So keep an eye out. It's unfortunate he missed that second Marsh game, but he's right up there. And if he gets picked, another guy, just lock him in because we're going to be looking to scrape the bottom of the barrel for... Defender rookies. So, Nettie, it's going to be another massive season for a West Coast. I, I see them finishing probably top two, top three. And, you know, they'll push really hard for a flag. And as Gracie said before, probably the best thing he's, you know, best well worded thing that he said, they're the ones that can threaten Richmond for this dynasty. Yeah, interesting there. He also mentioned that that guy would probably kill them. But if anyone <laughs> was going to stand in front of him, I'm saying it would be you in this yeah. room, madman, Matt Grace. <laughs> I've seen you take many charges in basketball. But yeah, West Coast Eagles fans looks like they'll be up and about again this season. How about the lovable Western Bulldogs here, boys? I think they're pretty much everyone's second favorite team, aren't they? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you there. They're, uh, everyone's Everyone loves the Bulldogs. Everyone loves to get behind the dogs. Of course, they had that massive season in 2016. Yes, they did. They've always got a completely different side from them. I'd say yep. there wouldn't be too many players that have sort of come back around. They're the team that everyone loves to watch at their best, but gee, some days they can be really off and yep. they've gone out, they've added Josh Bruce to their forward line. Hopefully they can get a full season from Shaqy. Uh, they've lost a couple of players in recent seasons, particularly from their defense. Obviously mm-hmm. Adams left and Handling yep. left the year before. Uh, they're a they're a hard one for me. Inconsistent? Consistently inconsistent. Yeah, consistently inconsistent is probably the Bulldogs, and obviously they finished seventh last year. I think, you know, we keep talking about the teams that will finish around that ninth mark. I reckon they'll be somewhere between seventh and ninth for me. I think yep. they play exceptionally well at, yep. at Marvel, of course, at home. And they're the sort of team, Nettie, we talk about, you know, Adelaide 36ers in the NBL. They can yep. just snag a game here where they shouldn't. That's yep. the Bulldogs to a T. So yep. I think they'll be about the same this year. Gracie, what do you reckon? 
I'm going to disagree with you. Yes. Oh, I, was to for, I, I was waiting for Gracie to say ninth. <laughs> yeah. like with the other One less. <laughs> no, no, this is probably my call. I think the Doggies will finish top four for me. Yeah, um, like It's a it. big call, big, man. Big call, man. but, you know, they've got that midfield of Bont, McRae, Dunkley. You throw Daniel in there every now and then. The only issue is they're a bit like Geelong with their rucks is obviously Tim English is still quite raw. Yep. He is coming along quite well, but that midfield's just, that they'd be oh, one of the class. best in the comp. So, and you know, adding that, that bit more forward power as well with Bruce is just, yeah, massive for me. So I think that's a very um, good summation. I, again, I think they'll finish top four, but they're the team He's like... confident, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, He's very confident. confident. I'm very confident. But they're the kind of team that could also go like five and... Well, it might be five and 12 this <laughs> yeah. year, but I honestly think that they'll finish top four. Yeah. Bevo's got re-signed, obviously, last year, and I did read that there was other clubs looking at him, so they've really committed to, to Luke Beveridge. And I think the second half of last year, they were... I can't remember whether they were like four and seven or something yep. at the bye, and yep. they, they ended up 12 and 10. So their back end of last year was quite good, and making a final, I, I think they could yep. yeah do some damage come I, come the end of the year. I love that uh, that sort of roundup there, Grace. And I'm going to put a question to you. If you think they're going to finish top four, of these yep. teams, who do they finish above? West Coast, Collingwood, Richmond, GWS. Who doesn't make it out of those four? I would probably pull Collingwood out. Yeah, okay. For me. Just and that, at the moment, that's purely based on injuries. Yep. So he did not hesitate. <laughs> no, he, he did, did not <laughs> hesitate. Oh, what about Geelong? Uh, oh, you forgot about his boys. I want to go back and listen where he had Geelong in that mix. I think I did have Geelong in the top four, to be honest. So, John, um, a <laughs> little bit of sweat. So there's going to be eight teams in the top four, according to Hey, Tracy, well, There's going to be a top ten at this rate, the way it's going. So. Oh, I love it. But uh, we'll move on, as you said, Gracie, an absolute A-class midfield. I'm going to ask how you rank these three guys. You know who I'm going to say. Marcus Bontempelli, Jack McRae, Josh Dunkley, one, two, three. Uh, McRae. Yep. and Dunkley for me. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little bit different. Well, not really, but I'm going to go McRae number one because he's locked in to play midfield time. I'm yep. going to go Dunkley number two. Yep. And I'm going to go Bontempelli very close yep. number three. And Dunkley's the one that I'm trying to fit in my team because he's got a lower ownership. I reckon he's only around the 11% mark at this stage. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Jack McRae, back-to-back 120 seasons. He's been the number one super coach midfielder for two years in a row. Bontempelli is the one that I looked at his stats and I actually couldn't believe how many games he had below 90. Yeah. It's obviously yep. his ceiling's massive, yep. but his floor can be quite low. So he averaged around the 114 mark from memory last season. It's tough. And I think you, you could put some merit on picking all three in your, in your midfield. Like, seriously, Abs- that's how good they are. Absolutely. And like you said, Dunkley, 11% of teams. Bonds in 27%. So he is a point of difference massively. So, yeah, average 114 for Bond. And, yeah, just looking here, there's, there's a few scores that were quite low. You know, some 70s, a couple of 70s actually. But he's ceiling. Like, there's 166, 140, 132, 146, 130. Another 146, yep, like yep. 158 in round one. Like, it's just massive for Bont. Yeah, he just, I agree. He just, he's effective, contested marks, kicks goals, like tackles. Like, yeah. I wouldn't want to be tackled by him, yeah. that's for sure. And, and this is why it's so hard to pick them because McRae picks himself with the history. But Bontempelli is probably the most fun player to own. Like, he's just such oh, a good player yeah. to watch. But if you talk ceilings, and a lot of people forget this, that Josh Dunkley scored a 200 last year. 
which is a very rare feat in Supercoach. It has only been a handful of people have ever done it. Yeah. And he scored a 170 from memory. I uh, traded a guy out and then he scored 200. <laughs> that's right. That's a good story for one day. But yeah, they're very hard to pick from. But one guy we'll quickly touch on in that premium options category is Caleb Daniel, who I traded in last year fairly early. He was a forward and yep. he paid off up until he got injured. But he's another, uh, he's a fantastic kick of the ball. He finds a lot of it for, a, for such a small guy. Yep. The only drawback I have for him is he almost needs to get 30 touches to score highly because a yeah. lot of his possessions yep. are just playing out from fullback. Yep. I see him as a, an upgrade target, but one that you could definitely start as a point of difference in that Luke Ryan category. We often absolutely. talk about Tom Stewart, these definitely. sorts of guys, but yeah, there's a lot of defenders around that mark for mine. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back to your, your Dunkley point here, so at the buys, he was averaging 102. He finished on an average of 116. Yeah, so it was 130 scores, in the back end of the year. Yeah, um, 173, 202, 127, 153, 169. Like, just monstrous, aren't they? Massive. So, and, yep. and, yeah, Caleb Daniel just, I mean, he's going to be consistent. Kick-ins is a big thing for him. He's got a very good kick on him. For a little guy, he's, you know, as short as your fiance Ash, I reckon. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, nah, it's um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what you were doing either. So, nah, he was, um, he, he's definitely a wait and see, and yeah. I think he'll be in your top picks at the end of the year, but just maybe see what, yeah. what's going to happen. I agree. So. And a fun fact about Caleb Daniel Netty, he, of course, wears the helmet, being the little guy on the team. His mum said to him when he was a kid, if you want to play AFL, you have to wear a helmet. And he's still wearing the same helmet to this day that he wore as a kid. Oh, so hats off to him for yeah, that. Yeah, like helmets that. off to him for that one. But Oh, uh, yeah, like even one. better. Uh, one mid-price guy I want to get your opinion on, Gracie, as we sort of wrap this up, is Tim English, who's uh, he's, he's primed for a breakout season. He's got that sort of smell of Brody Grundy from a few years ago when he went yep. from averaging sort of low 90s to 120. I don't think that kind of breakout is on the cards, but could he do, say, like a Rowan Marshall and go up to about that 110 mark? Quite possibly. 9% of teams, average 82 last year. When you say English, all I think of is Johnny English. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, but, no, look, the only thing is is obviously his size and he gets beat up by those bigger bigger ruckman but he's got that um, aerobic capacity around the ground like Grundy does so there was a few games over 100 last year finished off with you might as well say 300s one of them was a 97 105 and um, and a 104 so back into the year he played all right he could quite easily be a, a Rowan Marshall type so I'd definitely keep an eye on him, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I can't find a spot for him only because I prefer a couple of cheaper options. I think he's around that 440K, which, you know, you sort of needed to commit to him for a little bit. Sort of also thinking if we've got less time to make money to trade Gorn in, he may be a good starting point. But yep. for 100K less, you can get Sam Jacobs. So I know there's question marks around him, but he's done it before. Yep. I think they'll probably both average around the same. I'll, I'll just say that. But, you know, you can save that 100K at the very start. But Definitely. otherwise, for the doggies, in terms of rookies, there's not really much to start the season off. Jordan Sweet got the chance to rock on his own in the Marsh 1 game, but I wouldn't be considering him. Ben Cavara was one who had a bit of traction last year that we didn't see that may come in as a downgrade. And the top draft pick was Cody Waitman, who we haven't seen in the Marsh series. He can put a line through him for now. But, Nettie, that about wraps up our thoughts on the teams. Yeah, well, I think that is a very well, nice, detailed look into each team. I think you've given them a fair good look there. You haven't been too biased at all. No. I do have some homework for you, though, sitting through all that. I want to know, guys, especially with Madman and his ordinary, basically, next week, 
I want to see from 1 through to 18 from both of you boys. We'll see. Yeah, okay. and we'll compare oh, like it. a ladder. A ladder. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll compare it at the end of the season and see how many people you've got in there at that ninth position there, Madman, because I'd be very yep. interested to see. <laughs> and then we'll compare it at the end of the um, season. What absolutely. Do you I was actually thinking that when I said Bulldogs, I'm like, we should probably listen back to this yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the end of the year and just see how, how wrong we were. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's me, always and, a bit of fun. me and um, when I used to live out with our mate, Sean Bray, Fitzy, we used to do the ladder at each year at yep. the start of the year, put it on a whiteboard, put it away, and look at it towards the end of the year. It's yeah. actually quite fun, and you might bring it out throughout the season and see how you're going. But I think the best I ever got was maybe three or four, so I'm in a bit of trouble. I think. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Nettie. We'll definitely do that. We'll start predicting our ladders. But <laughs> Gracie and I, everyone's going to be between eighth and tenth. I yeah. think <laughs> <laughs> predicting that. But um, where's one through yeah. seven? <laughs> and as you can sort of tell, we're zombies. We're, yeah, it's exactly yeah, right. We are talking a lot of Supercoach at the mo- at the moment, and we thought just to wrap this up, we're going to have a quick discussion just about a few tips in terms of picking your team structures. And then Eddie, we've got some fan questions that we're going to go over. Uh, I guess we call them fans, people that we love, and yeah. then we. We ask politely to definitely. send questions in. But I thought the easiest way to do this, Gracie, and we're talking probably more for, for beginners, I guess, is to go position by position. And yep. we'll try and keep this fairly quick, but we do keep saying that we're going to talk about, about structures. But yep. in the back line, now this is where it can be quite tricky. And as we see in years gone past, it's very rare for backmen to back big years up. We often see, you know, you've got Hooley who came out of nowhere, then yep. they drop off. And there's always a lot of change in the back line and always a lot of sort of breakout contenders and guys that go from averaging 90 to 95. So I've made a little note here to avoid the higher price picks. And we've already mentioned yep. Jake Lloyd, Zach Williams, who's been injured anyway, Shannon Hearn and yep. Basher Hooley. For me personally, all have a line through them. Yep. I'm looking from Rory led down to keep that money in the bank and still get the scoring potential but don't have that big outlay of uh, funds at the start. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think you pick pick two of those guys around that 520 to 500. So like you said, you, Caleb Daniels, your Sicilies, your Ryans, your Lairds, Stewart, those sort of guys. Pick two of them. Obviously, Doherty's going to be in there and then you, you look at a, at a Houston type. Darcy Byrne-Jones has been thrown about as well. Yep. So you probably want to have two of those five, five, twenty guys, and then you have the two of the the mid, mid prices, and then yep. it all depends on your rookies as well. But I think you need that four decent scorers in your back line this yeah. year. Yeah, and I'm going for a very similar strategy, and you've and we've spoken about mainly in part one a couple of cheaper defenders and this is a strategy and a structure that I want to throw out there because like I said before we've seen a lot of teams go for example Laird, Sicily, Roberton, John Noble and then a couple of rookies and while it looks good on paper you have to keep in mind that you've got four upgrades you need to do to get a full backline and obviously backline or defenders are cheaper in general but you don't want to lose out on scoring at the start of the year so my recommendation is to at least get four solid picks in there and then maybe look at Robertson. probably d4 is okay yep but i'm off the exact same strategy so i've gone so two guys around that 500k mark and i've got doherty and jeremy howe who i keep talking yep. up and that yep. might he might become Dan Houston. Yep. And I know that looks a little tricky on paper, but then it allows you to have Zerk Thatcher D5 and then just whoever will go or whoever plays round yeah, one absolutely. D6. So in terms of backline strategies, I personally think that's a good way to go. And you're going to get a leg up on any guys if, like we say, Doherty 
Sicily Laird, for example, or you could throw Luke Ryan in there or come yep. out and average 100. You've already got a leg up on guys like John Noble, who, you know, we're, we're happy with a 60, but we've yep. got 40, 50 more points just because we've spent Absolutely. a little bit more money. So yep. I think backline structures could be a tricky one this year, particularly with the shorter games. But I'll be looking to try and get a few of those 400K guys in there and, you know, roll the dice on it a little bit. And I'm going to say about that in just a minute, but roll the dice on some of these players. This is a good year to do it yep. since we're going to have a bit up in the air. Who yeah, knows what's absolutely. happening? Roll the dice. But I'll move on to the midfield, Gracie. And my biggest advice in your midfield structure is to load up on premiums. I'm yep. talking five absolute uber premiums. Yep. And I think we've spoken a bit. We've, we've mentioned Viney. We've mentioned McCluggage. And these are all really good options. But in my opinion, I think with the way the season's going, go five guys over 600K and then you've got... Raul, Pickett, and Tom Green, or one of these rookies yeah. to, to fill your midfield in. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I've, at the moment, I, that my M5 is, is I've got McCluggage in, but that's probably more because I, I like him and, yep. and, and want to have him in there. But I agree. You've got to have those five decent scorers in there. And, you know, you could still go one of those 500K guys. You just got to really be confident they're going to do well. And yep. I think I've got proof there that McCluggage, his two Marsh games were quite good. So I'm classing him as a as a guy that will step under, up into premium status. So, but yeah, definitely I agree with you. Load up on those premium guys, yep. get Rao Pickett. You know, you've got your Robertsons, your Buttericks, your Tom Greens, as you said. So that's where the, the big points are in the midfield. Yeah, yep. um, with the shortened games, you need those big points. So. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was actually looking at Taylor Adams earlier on. I think I mentioned that in our yep. last podcast. But I think if you're going to go with a sort of a 500K or a cheaper M5, you need to commit to them. I think you need to stick with them for the season. So do your research a little bit. But look for those five guys to be the backbone of your team. Because I, I personally feel that if you get five guys, you know are going to score well. If your other three are guys that are averaging 105 because we're limited on funds, yep. you, know, you might end up with Josh Kennedy or Scott Pendlebury. I don't think that's so bad this year. But if you've got five guys who can all be captain options, and if you're going to go with a breakout option, I'd say just commit to them and you should be fine. But yep, absolutely. midfield, as Gracie said, is where all the money's made. But rucks this year are the tricky one. I think everyone's gotten very stuck on them. We've already mentioned before. Do you go Gorn and Grundy, spend $1.4 million. There's, you know, 20% of your budget or whatever it is gone or 14%, 15%. Or do you look at a cheaper R2? And I want to know your thoughts to start I said at the start that I was going to go Grundy and Gorn, but that injury to Gorn just threw me. So if he didn't get injured, I'd probably have Grundy and Gorn right now because I've never started with the two best Ruckman. Yep. I don't think we've ever had it like this where the two best Ruckman are so far above anyone else. So I've thrown Jacobs back in instead of Gorn, yep. but it, it just makes the rest of your structure look better, especially that extra premium or bigger score in the in the back line and then having that M5 extra I guess, premium in the midfield as well at M5. So for me, I think Grundy and Jacobs is going to be a lot more popular come um, that first game. Yeah, I tend to agree. And we have spoken about this a lot off air as well, but I have a feeling that the winning strategy this year is going to be having extra scorers in your forwards and defense. And I know that's going a little bit against what all of the experts are doing. So here's where we're going to be a bit controversial, Nettie. A lot of people are loading up on these 200K guys that I think you might end up getting stuck in your team. So I'm looking to load up the forwards, the defenders, and pick a cheaper ruck too. And we just hope to God that Gorn doesn't come out and average 130 because it could go pear-shaped very yeah. quickly. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying you need a contingency plan. So you need Segler in your forward line. 
possibly pick Jacobs if you can find 100K over Naismith, just because if something does go wrong, at least you've got some options. You can go up to Nat Nui or English. You can go down to Naismith. You're not sort of stuck in the middle. So I think if you're not picking Gorn, I'm going cheap. I think personally, I'm not picking Nat Nui English type just because of the money outlay. Again, save 100K, pick Sam Jacobs. So I think Rux could be one of the make or break points this year personally, but for me, it's going the, the cheaper Definitely, definitely. Now, forwards, and I did mention just before, this is the year to roll the dice. And I think the forward line is the spot where you do it. Yep. We've got, and we've spoken about it before, we've got Whitfield, Munn, Walters, averaged over 100 last year. Everyone else was under that. So I feel as though if you're going to pick Dustin Martin as your lock, I think Whitfield for me is a in and out. I can't really decide at the moment he's in. But I feel like you've got all these guys around 450K. You've got Steven, you've got Smith, you've got Tom Lynch, as we've said, uh, Andrew Brayshaw. Roll the dice. Yep. I honestly think roll the dice in your forward line. There's going to be a lot of guys that I think will finish sort of between 88 and sort of 95, which are going to be keepers if you look at where the scoring finished last year. But my strategy with the forward line is pick Dusty and then roll the dice. This is your year to yep. take a chance. Definitely. And I'll put a question to you, Fitz. Since we've gone so against Lloyd in the back line at 590K, why are we picking Whitfield at 604 That's in the forward a line? really, really good point. My personal opinion is that the money saved with Lloyd means you can afford Whitfield in the yep. forward line. And because in the back line, we've got Doherty, we've got all these guys we keep talking about, Houston, yep. we've got Laird and Sicily are underpriced. Yep. I feel like the forward line, there is so much unknown about it. So you look under those guys, Walters, big injury risk, you know, new coach coming in, will yep. he play forward? Heaney's been underdone. Toby Green's there. We're not picking yep. him to start with. Jeremy Cameron's there. Gary Ablett, we're putting a line through. Yep. That top 10 right now is just so unknown. Yep. I feel if you're going to go uh, Martin, he's a lock. If you want a bit of safety, pick Whitfield and then just yep. throw the dice on your next yep. two or three guys. So yeah. that's yeah. why I'm doing it. That's a very valid point. Yep. And it's only because of who else is in that list. And yep. again, look at the averages of the forwards from last year. I think the top 10, I think three or four of them were under 90. So yeah. I yep. think keep that stability with Whitfield and then just roll the dice on the rest. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I agree with that and having those same as the defense, those four guys that are going to score quite well. So... Like, I've, I'm the same. We've got Whitfield and Martin in. I have floated with dropping Whitfield out down to Petraka because there's, there's, what, another 150K that you're going to save. And there before I could turn a McCluggage into a Tom Mitchell or a Danger yep, or yep. a Dunkley or a Bont. So, and it could still, may, may still happen. But, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't mind having Dusty just there. And then you go your Steve and your Smith and your Petraka. As you said, this is the year to take the risk. Yep. If it pays off, Petraka could rise 100K in two weeks. And mm. if Whitfield has a couple of, as I said earlier, not bad games, but 100, he could drop 100K and yeah. bang, you've got Whitfield. So, yeah, I agree um, with that. And, and I know I've had my thoughts on these 450K guys, such as Petraka and yep. Darcy McPherson. But look at it this way. They averaged, say, 82 last year. Yep. There's no reason why they can't add eight points, even yeah. six points to their average, yep. and they're a keeper. Yep. So that's why I keep saying, personally, I'm going with some of the cheaper guys. You've already mentioned Stephen and Smith, my two favorite right now yep but i think let's roll the dice in the forward line that's my biggest advice tom lynch is one that you've almost sold me on just from sitting here uh, listening to yep. you talk Listen to him. Do, you yeah. have, do you have martin and lynch though i suppose is the other that's question. the only question i think they can probably survive together but yep. wait and see but you know netty this year is going to be very interesting with potentially fewer rounds shorter games less rookie options 
your starting team's going to be very, very important. But I feel like this is a year to have a crack and, and pick a few guys from left definitely, field. Definitely, definitely. And that's actually answered the question that I was going to ask you guys with the whole coronavirus thing, the the different season. Should we just throw caution to the wind a little yeah. bit and just, you know, because you've got to take injuries into whatever, do you think... You know, you might have an injury-prone guy like Lance, so we're just going to hope that he does the best and this is the yeah. year to roll the dice on him. That's a very valid point because, you know, now they've got less games they have to be fit exactly. for. And that all of a sudden, Gracie, makes Josh Kelly and Nat Fife in the midfield more interesting because instead of having to play 22 games, they've only got to play 17 Correct. or 16 if they Correct. keep the bye. Mm. That's a fantastic question, Eddie, and I think that makes your team picking a little bit more interesting. And that's why I'm throwing caution the wind a little bit with a couple of my picks that are not not left field, but I more feel like the structure's a little bit left field, Gracie. With you know, in seasons gone past, you always pick three gun backmen, three gun forwards, a yep. mid price, and then some rookies. But this year, I'm really structuring my team with the cheaper ruck two and firepower in the forward and back lines to be a little bit different. But it's really exciting, Eddie, because one problem we have in Supercoach is you get a lot of cookie-cutter teams, we call them. People start with 18 of the same players, and there's only a couple of differences. Whereas yep. this year, I'm encouraging people just to throw the caution to the wind, like we just said. I like it. And make a few bold predictions. Make a few big calls. There's only going to be 17 games. Maybe they'll bring them all back. Maybe yep. we'll have a couple less. Who really yep. knows? But... You know, this year might be the year just to give it a whirl, I reckon. Exactly. Give it a crack. Exactly. It's one of those bizarre times. May as well jump on board. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> All right. Do you want to jump on into these fan questions? Let's do it, man. We've had a couple sent in from some very happy followers at the moment. I'll let you read them out and we'll do our best to answer them. <laughs> All right. So we are going to throw it to the panel. And if you want to hit these boys up, they do know what they're talking about. Info at greywolfentertainment.net. And we'll be sure to read them out here on Grey Wolf Footy. First one comes from Ross Laws, fellas. In a difficult year for rookies, do we go for the higher price rookies for going a primo or two? Good luck with the pod. Thanks, Ross. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and of course, Ross is one of our oldest fans and uh, my fiance's uncle and a, a very good friend of both Gracie and ours. So thanks for sending the, the question in, Ross. And it's a it's a tricky one, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit just there, but it's going to be a very tough year for rookies. But I feel like there's going to be a couple that pop out of the woodwork, as they always do, just to save us. So I'm sort of going the, I guess, a little bit of a different route to almost what I've been encouraging. And I'm avoiding a few of the 200K guys just to try and fit an extra sort of mid-pricer in where I can. And I feel like if I was in that sort of situation, I'd be looking to go down to a like a John Noble, find some cash and turn him into Jeremy Howe. Like that, I keep talking about him, for example. Doherty's in that same boat. But in my opinion, I think it's a very important year for rookies. And I'm, I'm sort of going against the trend. I don't have Robertson. I don't have Noble. I've got Zerk Thatcher in for the time being, but he will possibly become uh, Jared Brando as I'm trying to free up some cash. But my strategy is all based around four-gun defenders, four-gun forwards in terms of who I think is going to be a top 10 or top 12. But what do you think, Gracie? It's a very good question. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Ross, still listening to us after all <laughs> these years. So, But no, I think the one, obviously, you know, we've got one 200K in Rio, which, you know, he's underpriced already. He hasn't even played a game of yep. AFL, but... Definitely, you know, your Zerk Thatcher could turn into a brander depending on who gets picked in, in the first round. So we need to free up all the cash we can with this shortened season and definitely go for those uh, those lower guys to fit in those extra uh, premium, yeah. especially the extra premium in the midfield. That's a, that's a massive uh, plus, I think. If you've got that fifth premium, yep. that's going to, I guess, cover the points you lose from having those higher 
rookies and there's no guarantee that those high rookies are going to score well anyway yeah, and they could lose it. your money we've seen that in the past so many times and that's the trick is and again I, I like a lot of these options your John Nobles and your Robertons and these guys Stephen Hill was in that category when he was fit and firing but the concern is you know if they score right round one and they come out and score 15 round two you're kind of stuck with them a little bit so I'd be if it was me and this is the strategy that I'm going for not to say that's correct but I'm shuffling money around as much as I can to try and load up the forwards and the backs just to be different to everybody else and like I said a lot of teams with Robertson at D3 Noble at D4 I think might get into strife very early whereas I'm loading up to try and even if the guys average 88 I say if it, I keep talking about Jeremy Howe because I love him. If he averages 88, I'm probably going to be happy with that. I'll take that in yep. this season because I don't feel like with 17 rounds, we're going to be able to put together a completed side. Yep. It's going to be very difficult to do that because Gorn's going to be a big priority if you don't start with him. But I'd be happy to settle for some lower D6, D, uh, sorry, D6, F6 scorers just considering the season that we're going to have. We've got five less weeks to make money. So I think we need to settle for some... Uh, Mid-price guys, which we normally wouldn't do, but yep. I'm going to be happy with it this year. Definitely. So that was a great question. Yeah, I love that right there. This season really is going to be an interesting yeah. one, hey? And this sort of jumps into that whole thing again. James Davidson, assuming Supercoach hasn't made any announcements, what do you think will happen to Supercoach with the rounds? What about new players if they're is a draft. Yeah, and there's already been a couple of top-up or not top-up, supplement players that have been added. And I don't think that's what's going to happen here. I think they'll keep it as the same. But we'll have to wait and see if Supercoach does any any changes to their platform because you get 30 trades for the year, which usually lasts you, depending on how quickly you trade, uh, till you know, the last sort of half of the season. But potentially we're going to have a bit more freedom with our trades and we can make some tough calls earlier on because you don't have to conserve them so much. So... The big thing for me, Jimmy, and that's a great question, which I've already just said, is 17 rounds, don't think that you're going to have the top five of every position in your team. I think we need to settle for potentially some cheaper options or some mid-price options, I should say, as your D6 and F6, only because we've got less time to make money. Yeah, absolutely. And good question, Jimmy. And, and you know, there's been plenty of rumors thrown around at the moment with Supercoach making changes where it might be a bigger salary cap less trades uh, we know we definitely know there's going to be no buy rounds which is great we we hate the buy rounds because they <laughs> cause us a nightmare but that that shortened season i agree fits you we're not going to end up with the best players in each each um each position as you'd yep. say so you got to take a risk on your Petrakas, your stevens your houston's and stuff like that so yeah I mean, I that's agree. the year you, this is the year you do it but as far as a, a draft goes i don't think that'll happen they might there is rumor that the AFL will let teams pick top-up players from each affiliate yep. league. So, you know, they might just have kind of like the NBA with their 10-day contract type thing, their two-way yep. contracts. So I think that's what you might see. Yeah, I think so. And just to summarize that, I think if they leave it at 30 trades, I'm going to say trade aggressively and trade early. If they drop the amount of trades down to suit how many rounds there are, I think be conservative, pick a couple extra mid-prices, as you just said, and just ride it out a bit and don't expect to have full superstar team this year because it's going to be very difficult to do so and take a bit of pride and like, like we say throw some caution in the wind pick a guy that you wouldn't normally pick and just you know enjoy having him in there for the season i like it and on the topic of pick tim pickett would like to know matt grace how is it that you do so well with the late <laughs> oh no wait what player do you think will be the surprise for the 2020 season either to improve in a big-time way or drop off a bunch. Now, I can take this one first if you want some time to think about this, Gracie. And yep. I mentioned when we discussed the West Coast team that I was going to mention one midfielder for one of these questions, and it's Elliot Yo. And I'm going to make a call that he finishes top five midfielder this year. 
That's my big bold call that is a for big, the year. Now, big bold call. The thing with Yo and and I think he's had you know he's been in and out of the form I guess over the last couple of years. He's now got a complete midfield around him. But one thing that Yo can do that the other guys can't do is he can play forward, he can play back, he can play on a wing, he can play inside midfield, he can play anywhere. And I'm going to make a big call, and I'm not starting him, and I'm not my balls aren't that big. But <laughs> if Tim wants someone from Completely out of left field. I'm predicting he will finish as a top five midfielder this year. Yeah, nice. I, I actually like that. And he's he's got the class there to do it. So I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> How about so. someone to drop off then, Gracie? <laughs> drop off. Well, I was going to mention one of your boys, Nettie, but I was going to mention McCluggage. I, I actually could see him finishing as a, as a top 10 midfielder for mine. Yeah, well, Brisbane supporters would love that because it yep. means that hopefully they'll be back up there again. But one to to drop off. It's a tough one. I, I'm going to go with our boy Lloyd. He probably doesn't want to yep. hear it. No. But, oh. um, <laughs> I, he winked think, at me once. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think I, I see him with obviously Dawson there. Um, could take some of those touches away unless he does move up the field. So obviously not knowing where Sydney are going to are going to finish. It's it's interesting times at, at the Swans, yep. but I could see Lloyd dropping his average down, and we saw obviously end of last year. Um, I hate to say it, he's a Horsham boy, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably one where I'm looking that may drop off. Yeah, I think so there. too, man. I think that's actually a really good call. And again, we go back to the reasons why we're not picking him because the evidence is there that he may drop back again, and he's a wait and see. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the honesty and hats off, man. I'm hoping that you're right about McCluggage there. I'm, I'm hoping the Lions can be right up there. I'm I'm still worried they're going to do a Melbourne, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And this one, my favourite question of the bunch, I am a little biased, Matt. Mum Fitzgerald, I love Sam Jacobs and Nick Natanui, but should I pick either of them this year or both? It's tough, Gracie. My mum's a huge fan of both of these guys. She keeps saying to me, oh, I want to pick Sauce. What's his <laughs> real name? So <laughs> uh, there's a great question, mum, and that's my mum, if <laughs> in case there's any confusion. But I think uh, currently she's got both options in there just because she loves to, to watch them play. Yeah. But we do have to probably take one out for the guy with the beard from Melbourne, and his name is Max Gorn, that mum never remembers. God bless her. But <laughs> if I'm picking one of those guys, I'm probably going Sam Jacobs out of the two. And we, we speak him up quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And, and he's got the history on the board. He's got the best midfield around him. His price is perfect, and I keep saying it. You can go up if something goes wrong. You can go down. You're sort of yep. right in the middle there. If I'm picking one, mum, I'm probably picking Jacobs. Yep. Uh, but I actually don't mind the thought of starting both. Yep. And as long as you use that money wisely and perhaps go a Uber Premium M6 or really pick a, a good starting, you know, first four forwards or defenders, that's a that's a very bold strategy. But again, this is the season to do it. Absolutely, and I um I probably agree agree with you there, Fitz. Like I don't I wouldn't mind seeing him both in there. Mrs. Fitz, is I get told off every time. Yeah, um, but um, no, nah, definitely, uh, definitely. I saw a stat earlier today of obviously with the reduced uh, quarters that could happen is the points per minute. And Nick Nap plays roughly around sixty percent game time. He averaged something like one point three points per minute, and for sixty percent game time, that is wow. huge. So he doesn't need many touches. We know he tackles, gets a lot of the tap outs because he can leave even after those leg injuries. So. But no, I didn't mind seeing them both in there, Mrs. Fitz, and, and but just add that uh, M6 premium. 
Yeah. yeah, I love it. And of course, Mum always decides to pick all the Horsham boys. So Jared Barry gets a call up. Definitely. Darcy Tucker's in the forward <laughs> line, and we have to pick Tom, as in Tom Lynch. And yep. you know, I think I actually remember her best super coach move, Nettie, because she's done this for a long time. Where she traded Matt Prudis in one week and decided to make him captain because he had the nice curly hair. Nah. Scored a lazy one seventy that week, and I think she beat me. So I'm <laughs> still holding that hair. one up. <laughs> but, I love uh, it right there, and she's in our league. Yeah, she certainly is. So yeah, look excellent. out for uh, Super Champs. I believe she's called her team this year. I'm not sure where that comes from. Nice. But, uh, yeah, look out for, for Helen to, to, you know, cause some ripples in the top eight rankings. She named it off after you, yeah. Super Chance. That's <laughs> <Clearly. what's up. laughs> But it's been a bumper episode for episode two of Grey Wolf Footy, Nettie. It's uh, a lot of good content coming out, and we're going to keep it pumping with weekly shows. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks with round one about to start, what's going to happen, but we'll keep the content coming. Yeah, it's very much a case of watch this space, but it has been a bunch of fun. Being not huge on the Super Coach side of things, there's a lot for me to take out of. I've started writing down names, and I'm, I'm taking it all in, and I I think that's exactly what you boys are here. You're the experts. You're here to show the people like me that have got no idea this is what's up. And so thank you for this, boys. It's been very interesting. No, I did enjoy having you here, Ned. I, I love it, actually. It used to get a bit boring with Fitzy. You know, not, not, not say that. No, he no. says it like it's his show. It's good having you here, Ned. I love it. So, no, no, it's, it's really good. And hopefully, yeah, we'll watch some games throughout the year and uh, you might be an expert by the, by the end of it. Well, we'll have to wait and see. This I might be a good test for you, lads. So True. So we can sit down, put a team together from Absolutely. your tips. And we'll see what happens, but definitely for next week, I want to see. And we if, might you, get... if you beat us, we might not talk to you again. But... <laughs> well, it will be you beating us, really. Yeah, so true. It'll be like your combinedness <laughs> will be beating us. But yeah, we'll have to put down where you guys think are going to be in the top eight, you know, the whole way through or whatever. Yep. And maybe even, you know, brown lows and that sort of thing. We'll get some yeah, early things like in. We'll that. have some fun predictions and we'll get all that happening Beautiful. next week. What do you Mark, reckon? Mark of the year and goal of the year. Yeah, and everything. And uh, yeah. bold call of the year, which we'll bring in. Yes. But it's yes. going to be a call. lot of fun, Eddie, coming up. But Stay tuned with all our socials and on the website to see what's happening because a lot of what we do is based on what happens in the AFL and fingers crossed we can get off and at least play the first four rounds, which I think is still the plan. Fingers and then crossed. we're just going to play it by ear from there. Yeah, greywolfentertainment.net and that's got links to all of our socials, everywhere you can hear us and all that sort of thing. And be on the lookout for everything else we've got happening as well. We've got a Grey Wolf wrestling show. We've got an interview with Mitch McCarran. You're a big time McCarran fan. Yeah, that man. one's coming yeah, out I, soon. I heard your rap. He followed you on the socials, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying to play the call here. <laughs> Don't bring up his tasty music there, Madman. But yes, very fun times at Grey Wolf Entertainment. We are trying to build a community here and love that everyone's getting behind it. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.